This Facts and O'Brien podcast is brought to you by Gary Thomas and the Wealth Technology Group in Westfield. Where it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 534. And slow ride from Foghat at Rock 102. It's going to be a beautiful day today. Sunny, high of 68 tonight, mostly clear, low of 44. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, but a little bit warmer, and a high of 74. Believe it or not, it's 38 degrees right now in downtown Springfield. Uh, This morning, we're going to be talking about Smith & Wesson and their decision to move a bulk of their operations out of Springfield and bring them down to Tennessee. It's going to be ultimately a loss or transfer of 750 jobs. We're going to talk about to uh, Anthony Signoli later on this morning about the impact of that decision and what that's going to mean for the folks of Springfield and the people whose jobs maybe get left behind. All in the name of gun safety, of course, but nevertheless, it's a lot of jobs to lose here in the Valley. So we'll be talking to Tony Signoli after 8 o'clock. There's that. Bunch of other stuff, too. It's 534 Rock 102. If you need a job... Fields Classic Rock. It's 552 in ZZ Top on Rock 102. It's going to be mostly sunny today with a high of 67. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 73. Looking at 39 right now in downtown Springfield. Uh, let's see. We're going to be talking about a number of things this morning, the least of which is the decision by... Smith & Wesson to move a good deal, a bulk of their operation to Tennessee. We'll be talking to Tony Signoli later on this morning around 8 o'clock to talk about what that really means and how that's going to affect Springfield. So that's coming up after 8, plus a couple other things we got coming up today, too. All right. Hang on a second. Let me just do something here. There's something wrong with this mouse that I got sure. on my computer. Right. And it's stuck. Like, the button's stuck. So every time I try to switch to another tab... I guess all messed up. I can't. I can't. But I will be ready for that sweet Hollywood trash maybe in about, I don't know, six, seven minutes from now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say six or seven seconds from now. No, you can You can actually uh, let's, all right, let's very go good. ahead and do it. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you say? We hop right into some Hollywood trash. Oh, I am so excited for this. A prequel to The Sopranos starring uh, Alessandro Nivola as Tony Soprano's uncle, Dickie Moltisanti, who inspires the young Tony Soprano to become a made man. It's uh, The Many Saints of Newark premieres today on HBO Max. I, I'm, that's the first thing I'm going to do when I get home today. I can't Start wait. I'm gonna, we'll, we'll be watching it tonight. I'm going to make uh, I'm gonna make meatballs and make uh, pasta vazool. I'm going to serve like... Wine and little tiny glasses. Yeah, you're gonna do the whole thing now. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go total Italian all night long. Now, even though we uh, lost James Gandolfini back in 2013, his son Michael Gandolfini plays the young Tony. Now, I watched an interview with him with uh, the son, obviously. Right. And uh, he said he watched hours and hours and hours of his father being Tony Soprano to study for the character to to be the young Tony Soprano. Yeah. And the reviews so far are pretty stellar. You know, and I, he does an amazing job. What I heard, though, is he didn't watch any of The Sopranos until he got the part. Like, he, he never watched The Sopranos before until this movie was uh, you know, being in, in, in pre-production. Oh, I, see, I didn't hear that. That's pretty interesting, too. It's, it's not that surprising. I don't think my kids have ever listened to this radio show once in their lives. I'm not even sure they know what I do for a living. Yeah, well, my kids do. They listen, and they're like, yeah, we heard you talking this morning. 
Why'd you say that? You're so awkward, Dad. Yeah. What's what's going on? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, but no, I'm I'm really excited about that. I'm also excited about uh, what else comes out this month is. Um, oh, why can't I think of the name of the other show that's on HBO? Succession. Yes. Is coming out. I believe in the middle of the month. That's a great show. I don't know why they just don't release all this stuff like in the beginning of the month. Like just put it all out there. There's no reason to wait two more weeks to put out another blockbuster show. Well, I th- I think it's very much like uh, they put out movies. They don't want to put yeah. out two blockbusters in a row because people don't have that kind of attention span or right. or money to do it. But in streaming, it's not about the money. It's I think it's just about the attention span. Right. They want to get as many. Once the Soprano uh, the Sopranos prequel's been out for a week, people will have watched it right away. Right. Now they're going to be on to something else. Yeah, well, they're showing this also in the theaters right now. And HBO Max, it's only going to be on there for the month. I I thought that, too. I can't. There was some movie the kids and I watched that I can't remember what it was uh, that came out. And then we went to go back and look at it, and it was gone. It was because it was only a one-month release. Right. So. You know, I, I'm, there's a part of me that wishes it wasn't just a movie. Right. That they were doing another series. But, you know, they're doing the same thing with Ray Donovan. I don't know if you ever watched Ray Donovan. No. Great show. Yeah. But they stopped production on it, and they're going to do a follow-up film very much like, you know, what you're seeing with the, with the Sopranos. Well, but it's like, I kind of want to see more Ray Donovan, but they're only going to give me like a you know an hour and a half to, to kind of tie all the loose ends. I think uh, this is one of those things that could, in fact, become another series. Because you could do a prequel series about that whole show. Of course you could. With him as as the young man, you know. Yeah. So uh, who's to say that it won't not become? You know, it's not like it's not like uh, you know Webster or different strokes where you really worry about whether the kids look too old as you go on from season to season. You know, the kid's gonna age naturally. Yeah, but uh, Gary Coleman still looked like he was twelve when he was really 38. 40, 41. <laughs> <laughs> or you went younger than I did. I was gonna say forty-one. Uh, Shannon Doherty has stage four cancer. We we heard about that, which was horrible. But she's still working. She says uh, the best example that I can continue to set for other people with cancer and the outside world who doesn't have cancer is to show them what a cancer patient looks like. We are employable. Apparently, she feels like she's not getting any roles because of her cancer diagnosis. And uh, listen, we'll take the cancer part out of this. And just look at Shannon Doherty as an actress. Yeah, she wasn't getting any roles because she was yeah. kind of a jerk when she was young and healthy. The last time I saw her in anything, I'm sure she was on the 90210 special, right? Was she on that I, reunion I, I, thing? I don't know. Uh, but the last thing I actually saw her in was a commercial for Collagen Pajamas back in like 2008. <laughs> and she was like, you too can go to Collagen Pajamas. Yeah, that might have been a credibility problem. And she's like sitting on a bed and she's like, you know, taking calculus classes and, you know, all this other crap. <laughs> and you know, no one's buying it. No, you know, no, no, one's, buying no it. one's buying that. Again, I'm not making fun of her cancer diagnosis. I'm just making fun of who she was as an actress and how the roles weren't coming for yeah, her all I'm, along. I mean, that's not making you insensitive. No, it's, it's, it's just making make... me critical of her career. And really. That should be still fair game. It's definitely fair game. Scarlett Johansson settled her legal dispute with Disney, but terms were not disclosed. Scarlett sued Disney for putting Black Widow on Disney+, Plus, claiming that it hampered its box office potential. Well, she got something out of it. 
You know, we yeah. don't know what, but I'm sure it was a pretty sizable amount. Yeah, but you know, in a uh, in a pandemic, your box office potential wasn't going to happen for say like another six months to a year. Right. Uh, Quentin Tarantino is denying that he has a foot fetish. Asked about the rumors and jokes, he said, "Quote: I don't take it seriously. There's a lot of feet in a lot of good directors' movies. That's just good direction." Okay. Well, you gonna the, argue with him? Well. I mean, if you think about um, the the rumor, remember the, in the Pulp Fiction, the rumor was that when John Travolta was with Uma Thurman, and he yeah. said, uh, "I heard that uh, Marcellus Wallace, you know, her boyfriend in the movie, uh, killed some guy because he gave you a foot massage." So I think there's a little bit of truth to what you know, what people are saying about well, his foot maybe, fetish. but that's just good direction. I guess who's, who's so. going to argue with Tarantino? Guys, uh, done one great film after another. I still didn't like that hateful eight. That took way too long to get to the violent part. That was a five minute plot crammed right. into doing a four and a half hour film. And I was like, and I'm and I'm watching. I was watching that. This is going back a few years ago, and I'm watching that movie, and I'm like, wow, this is really like dragging on. And I'm like, and I and I had to watch it in like over three nights because it was so long. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, the one night I wake I wake up in the morning and I go, you know what? This thing is going to turn into a bloodbath at some point because I forgot that it was a Quentin Tarantino movie. Right. Yeah. So, but but no one makes bloodthirsty violence so hilarious. Yeah. Like Tarantino. Uh, and Mick Jagger made a stop at a bar in North Carolina on Wednesday night. He did not get recognized, not even by a couple sitting near him who reportedly had floor seats to the next night's Rolling Stones show. Come on. How do you not? Re- well, of course, he doesn't look like. He probably does when he's all makeup up they, on stage. They showed a picture of him in the bar. Yeah. It was like a security camera. Yeah. He's there with a baseball cap where I, it looked like glasses. Yeah. He just looked like another old drunk at yeah, a bar. Yeah, see, that's the thing. When you, Unless you're on stage dancing around uh, doing Jumping Jack Flash and that's you got it. all that makeup on, mm-hmm. you don't look so pretty anymore. And he's usually not wearing a hat. And that is your Hollywood Trash on Rock 102. <laughs> And now, Bax's View from the Couch. Brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware, your neighborhood paint store. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you? Hey, I don't know if any of you are aware of this or not, but apparently this weekend, Tom Brady is coming back to Foxborough. I know, everyone's been so tight-lipped about it, but I swear to God it's true. And because Tom Brady is apparently some sort of a big deal still, people have been going hog-wild on two different things. One, buying tickets to get out of the house, and two, placing bets in which they could lose that house along with their shirts and dignity. According to reports, due to the demand of seeing Tom Brady against the Patriots on Sunday, the average ticket price has ballooned up to become one of the most expensive regular season tickets in Boston sports history, topping the scales at $1,101 per ticket. Yes, there have been more expensive tickets out there. The 2019 Stanley Cup Finals, the 2013 World Series, and of course, there's been a fistful of Super Bowl tickets that might have cost you a bit more. But for a regular season, non-conference game, it essentially has no true significance in the divisional standings. $1,101 to watch a football game in the rain is somewhat of a high price to pay. Whereas, I'll be home perfectly comfortable without having spent the dime to do it. The other glaring situation is that according to Caesars Sportsbook in Las Vegas, 94% of the bets uh, cast on the game have been placed on the Buccaneers to win by seven. Same thing with FanDuel, same thing with BetMGM. Everyone believes that Tom Brady will be covering the spread. 
Me, on the other hand, I will be at home, staying dry, not worrying about having to foreclose on my house because I unloaded my entire life savings on the Buccaneers to cover the spread. I think what I'm trying to say is this. Are any of you people taking a good look at yourselves? You're letting a 45-year-old man turn you into non-reflective, financially irresponsible idiots. I can think of 1,001 reasons not to spend my money on a ticket and about five times that much not to blow my money betting on any of it. Of course, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm pretty sure I'll be sleeping well on Sunday knowing I'll still be able to pay for my utilities. And sometimes that's all I really need. But hey, never mind yapping. Sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Pull up Rocky's October sales flyer on your phone or your computer. It's loaded with bargains on Scott's Winter Guard, Turf Builder, Werner, Ladders, and plenty more. What's on sale at Rocky's? It's always at your fingertips at Rockies.com. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. Rocky does classic rock at 612 and Queen on Rock 102. Going to be uh, mostly sunny today with a high of 67. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 73. It is 39 right now in downtown Springfield. We got uh, Tony Signoli coming up after 8 o'clock. We're going to talk about the uh, the Smith & Wesson decision to move to Maryville, Tennessee, or move a bulk of their operation down there. So that's coming up after 8 o'clock today. That'll be an interesting conversation. Actually, it probably will be an interesting conversation. Yeah, seriously, because it really impacts the uh, economic uh issues that we face here in western massachusetts uh big time and so uh we'll we'll get to the bottom of uh, what this really means for uh, for springfield and the whole area because of that decision but right now we're uh we're going to talk about facebook we never talked about that before no are, are you on facebook i am uh yeah i do i just started an account no, uh, i mean like right now <laughs> oh yeah i'm actually i'm right now. i'm uh, i'm texting all i'm messaging all my uh friends to listen about facebook hey by, by the way tune in right now because we're going to be talking about facebook and instagram not just facebook instagram too i wish i'd been uh, thinking ahead i would have done a facebook live right now here's the uh the story from uh yesterday in washington dc senators fired a barrage of criticism at a facebook executive over the social networking giant's handling of internal research on how its instagram photo sharing platform can harm teenagers the lawmakers accused Facebook of concealing the negative findings about Instagram and demanded uh, a commitment from the company to make changes. During testimony before a Senate uh, Commerce Subcommittee, Antigon Davis, Facebook's head of global safety, that doesn't sound like a very head of uh, safety. No, I, I think it's pronounced Antigone. Antigone? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Antigone, Bahamas. Come on, pretty much. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. <laughs> uh, Facebook's head of global safety defended Instagram's efforts to protect young people using its platform. She disputed the way a recent newspaper story describes what the research shows. She said, We care deeply about the safety and security of the people on our platform. We take the issue very seriously. We have put in place multiple protections to create safe and age appropriate experiences for people between the ages of 13 and 17. But Senator Richard Blumenthal from Connecticut. Said the uh, subcommittee, uh, he was the subcommittee chairman, was not convinced. He goes, I don't understand how you can deny that Instagram is exploiting young users for its own profit. So what happened is, uh, uh, you know, they've been studying this and, uh, you know, they Facebook made a commitment to do these safety measures to sure. prevent, uh, you know, things being suggested to teens. Richard Blumenthal's office, which I kind of thought was a little funny, that uh, they'd set up an Instagram page posing as a 13-year-old girl. And then they liked a couple of different things that mm -hmm. were relevant to a teenager. And then they said within a day, 
the Instagram was already suggesting to this fake user, who they thought was a 13-year-old girl, uh, like things about self-harm and, uh, you know, cutting yourself and videos related to that kind of thing. Sure. And how these kids just kind of click. Yeah, let me see that. You know, because it's clickbait. We do it. Sure. I do it all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, these watch videos, you know, when they do these watch, uh, Facebook watch videos. Yep. It almost knows the kind of stuff that you're looking It does know the stuff you're looking at, and it knows the stuff that you're... I don't know if you're interested in or not. I think a lot of it has to do with what we do on this show, because your phone listens to you. Well, it's it's this whole uh, geo-tracking right. technology. So regardless of what you're doing on the Internet, whether it's a, is as simple as a Google search or yeah. you know where you're shopping and the kinds of things you buy... Uh, you know, it it tracks your behavior that way it can it can market to you appropriately right right but, you know, the problem with that is you know sometimes if you're looking at stuff that's not appropriate that's the stuff that's going to follow you it's going to suggest inappropriate things to you all the time how many times have you looked at dildos on the internet and then all of a sudden uh, there's hey who wants to buy this Baxter O'Brien merchandise you know you get the ads for that Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. you, you, see, you I, are suggesting. I turned it back on you. I see, I? and that's a, a, a you are a clever little bastard. You know that. But uh, you know, the, uh, a good example is that watch videos that you know that you get sucked into. I yeah. get sucked into them anyway on 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 Facebook. We can talk about something on this show in the morning, and then like an hour later, the Facebook is suggesting to watch videos. So we say uh, police brutality. We talk about police brutality and things like that what we've been talking about for the last year and a half then all of a sudden i go on facebook later and there are these videos popping up about oh arrest videos and body cam videos and yeah. all these other things let me uh, um, let me let me try something i wanted to see if uh, if that's if that's actually uh, true uh hold on a second hey siri show me gobs of free money yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so, I'm, gonna, I'm I'll wait about an hour or two and yeah, see if I if I'm if anyone offers me gobs of free money. Yeah, I don't think it works that way. Should I not have used the word gobs? Yeah, I don't think you should have used the word gobs. Hey Siri, show me stacks of free money. All right, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I'll show. I'll, I'll tell you what happens in about an hour. Show me hoardy sluts in my area. You didn't say, "Hey Siri." <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. It's, it's the it's like the Simon says. It's the Simon of, uh, says exactly. Um, but, but you know, so, so then they had uh, Senator Ed Markey from Massachusetts. Uh, Instagram is that first childhood cigarette meant to get teens hooked early. Facebook is just like big tobacco, pushing a product they know is harmful to the health of young people. It's a little dramatic, but he has a bit of a point that. The content that these kids are looking at, you can set something up. I've been through this whole thing with the electronics and social mm -hmm. media and things like that. My kids are too young to have any of that stuff. You know, the, 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 the social media. Stuff. Sure. Because we kind of experimented with it a little bit, and it didn't really work out. Because you can't prevent, you can put parental controls on anything, and nothing is foolproof. You don't, you don't. You don't have a mature enough filter yeah. at that young age to right. know what is what is appropriate and what is inappropriate at that at, at that age. Right. You know, it, it, as an adult, sometimes you got a better filter, you got a better grasp on the whole thing. And I know you know you've had a, I mean you've uh, you've kept your kids away from a lot of it. 
you, my kids are older, and one of the things that that uh, that I want that I suggested early on is I don't care if you're on social media, but if you are, you're going to include me either as a friend or a follower, right. and I'm going to follow you. And if I yeah. find that there's something that I think either puts you in a difficult spot or it's having the wrong effect from other people, I'm going to tell you about it because I'm watching. And I think that's great advice for for kids who are a little bit older. For a little bit older. And then but the ones that are like my kids age that are, you know, just turning, you know, the preteen yeah. uh, kind of thing, it really is detrimental to their development and their health. Without a doubt. If you sit there and you watch nothing but these negative videos, violence, that does have an effect on you. And I'm not saying that because you see a shooting video, you're going to go out and shoot somebody. I'm talking about the mental depression that goes along with watching those things. Those things might might not make somebody go out and do something, but those things will when, be, uh, again, detrimental to your mental health. I think, you know, particularly for young girls, there's enough stuff out there on, on social media, whether it's, I don't want to just say like the Kardashians because I think that's like an easy target, but I mean, you, you know, there are plenty of people out there who's, who have gained a level of notoriety as influencers on these platforms that based upon what they do affect uh, the self-esteem of a young kid, particularly girls, mm-hmm. where you know, there's, there's this, this false sense of what is important and what is real. And some girls, because of the images that they see, fall into prey with that now boys do too i'm not saying they're completely yeah. immune or that they have a better grasp on things they clearly don't girls are you know, much more mature at that age than than boys are but there's a different effect on their self-esteem for young girls oh, and, ab- and it, absolutely and when you watch some kids online try to emulate you know that kind of celebrity or or you know need for attention you have to wonder, well, are they getting attention appropriately elsewhere, like at home or at school? Or, you know, do they have a, like, a, like a friend group that they're, uh, that they're involved in? And what you find yeah. out sometimes is, no, they don't. This is really all they do to put uh, themselves out in the world. It, true. And it, but so many of these kids have these things. They have every, a lot of kids have electronics. I mean, there, how many times you walk out in public and you see the kids with their heads buried in the phone? Sure. And I, I, I did it, too. It, it's the, it's an easy way to not have to. It, it's basically a babysitter. The the electronic is used as a babysitter, and I'm guilty of it as well. But I I made the step to take that away last year, and it's amazing the improvement in the mental health of my kids not having that stuff. Like they go outside and they do things and. You know, outside we, what's that i know where would and, one uh, find something like this uh open the door to your home and here's go all, through the garage and here's and all the people outside. yeah open <laughs> the other people and i know we're running out of time but I, I just wanted to make the point that like this can be done you, you just have to kind of be willing to to take that step because i i'll tell you it did suck for the first couple of weeks of sure. not because you're basically you're ripping, uh, you're, you're ripping a drug away from a kid. I, you know, I mean, to, to me, it, this is the kind of thing that is 
only going to get more complicated as time goes on. Social media is only going to grow. It's not going to to go away anytime soon. To me, this is the kind of thing that screams parental involvement. If you sit back and say, oh, my kids are just on Instagram, they're having fun. Mm. No. You no. should be involved and follow along and see what they're doing. And you uh, should know that just because you set up an account and all this other stuff, there's ways for them to make other accounts without your knowledge. Absolutely. But that begins with creating a certain level of trust with your kid. And and, and, and it's, it's, it's not just necessary. It's crucial to their self-esteem and how they develop. And with that said, uh, follow uh, Bax and O'Brien on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, at, we'll be uh, tweeting about this for hours, plus putting up very randy uh, photos. And check out our new TikTok account. <laughs> it's 624 <laughs> on Rock 102. This ad furnished by Nesmataju LLC. Offer not valid in all states or prohibited by law. Loans are subject to lender approval. See website for... Unity employer. It's uh, 626 of Bax and O'Brien on Rock 102. Did we just have a serious discussion? We did have a serious discussion. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to do that again. For no, least. we're going to do it again at 8 o'clock. Oh, for crying out loud. No one's really interested in having serious discussions on this show. Uh, no, serious discussions? Yeah, what are you talking you know, I mean, about? Look at, listen, you don't wake up early to catch the Bax and O'Brien show and expect to have something serious. Well, although sometimes you do. Mm, no, no, I don't think anybody really expects us to to, to be serious. <laughs> like people, their alarms are going, I'm waking up to this? I didn't pay for this. And you know what we should do? What? Uh, we should laugh. Let's laugh. Tell me. Tell me what's funny. It's Bax and O'Brien's joke of the day. Well, it's nice to find a fellow with a keen sense of humor. On Rock 102. Oh, my God. That is hilarious. Springfield's classic rock. All right, so there's a mother and her young daughter visiting New York City, right? Yes. And the uh, the mother's trying to hail a cab when her daughter notices several wildly dressed women who are loitering on a street corner Okay. Nearby, right? Yes. And the mother finally hailed her cab, and they both climbed in, at which point the young daughter says, Mommy, what are all those ladies waiting uh, for by that corner? And the mother says, uh, oh, those ladies are just uh, waiting for their husbands to come by and pick them up on their way home from work. And then the cabbie, you know, he's hearing this whole thing, and he's like, pfft. Come on, lady. Tell your kid the truth for crying out loud. They're hookers! (laughs) And then there's dead silence, and then finally, after a couple of minutes, the daughter says, Mommy, uh, do the hooker ladies have any children? And the mother goes, Yeah, where do you think cabbies come from? Oh! Oh, Yeah! Call his mother a whore! Right there in the the sucker right there! That's gonna increase the fare. (laughs) Booyah! Baxen O'Brien. On Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. With the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket from the Mass Lottery, marvelous surprises await. Like a chance to win up to $500,000 instantly, or a trip to Vegas, where a lifetime prize of $1 million a year could be yours. Must be 18 or older to play. The Summer's Knights of Columbus is having a cruising car show on Saturday, October 16th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at 236 Main Street in Summers, Connecticut. All regional car clubs are welcome. Enter your cars, tractors, boats, trucks, or motorcycles for $10 each. Best of show awards in all classes. Pre-register at the Summer's Knights of Columbus or contact Gary Lemieux at c21gary at yahoo.com. You can also register day of show. Admission is free to the public. Food and drinks will be available for purchase. Join the Summer's Nights of Columbus for a fun-filled day. 
Don't take a chance on getting stranded in your vehicle. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and get your battery tested free of charge. Or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 629 with Bax and O'Brien at Rock 102. It's time for news. Here's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Thanks, Bax. And the big news, firearms manufacturer Smith & Wesson announced Thursday that they will be making their headquarters and a large amount of their operations to Maryville, Tennessee in 2023. This has been an extremely difficult and emotional decision for us, but after an exhaustive and thorough analysis for the continued health and strength of our iconic company, we feel that we have been left with no other alternatives, said Mark Smith, president and chief executive officer of Smith & Wesson. Hey, is he related to the people that run Smith & Wesson? I don't know. Uh, Could be another Smith. It's probably more than one Smith family out there, I'm going to guess. I, um, I was sent a copy of the story from the Boston Business Journal, and there's some legislation. Because Mass Life couldn't cover it. They're yeah, that's so right. Close. That's right. Uh, you know, there's some legislation that's uh, being passed around preventing the manufacturing of certain guns, and that's what mm-hmm. led to uh, Smith & Wesson to make this decision. One of the uh, the co-sponsors of the bill is Bud Williams, uh, who uh, said that he is less concerned with Smith & Wesson's move and more intent on limiting assault weapons to prevent the possibility of a mass shooting or another violent incident. Okay, Bud. But they're going to make those guns in Maryville, Tennessee. Yeah, you're not going to stop anything from being made. Yeah, what you've done, bud, is you've just eliminated 750 jobs in your district. Ultimately, that's what you've done for them to make the same guns, same amount of, maybe even more of those guns in Tennessee. And then he said, Jesus is the reason for the season. So we'll be talking to Tony Signoli about this after 8 o'clock. Uh, Smith said recent proposed legislation in Massachusetts would prevent the company from manufacturing certain firearms in the Commonwealth, which we just talked about, which is more than 60% of their revenue. Uh, so that's it, it's all about money when it comes down to it. You want to be able to make the money that you're making, and if you can't make the money that you're already making, then it really doesn't make any sense to do business in this area. And I know some people are going to be kind of indignant about that and say, well, it's, you know, it, it, it is all about money. Well, they're a business. Like any other business, and the purpose of business is, in fact, to make money, and to do that means you got to employ people, and 750 positions are going to be moved to Tennessee. You know that affects not only people around here and their families, but all the vendors, local vendors, that rely on Smith and Wesson to do what they have to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has a rippling effect with a local economy more than just a than a, a a business that's you know pulling stakes and moving somewhere else. Are they the number one fan of the man from Tennessee? They might be. I'm sure they will be when they get there. That's a great song. That's, why don't we play that? Why we should play that should be in our rotation. Please, please. You know, I was also uh, I stumbled upon some John Denver the other day, and I wonder why don't we play some John Denver? Who plays that anymore? Don't you think people would would like to hear from on occasion? Thank God I'm a country boy. I would love to hear it. Thank God I'm a country. Yeah, well, I'm going to talk to the boss. We should put that in. Yeah, I think we should. <laughs> Next to Jet Airliner. Yeah, because he died in a plane crash. Yeah, I know. So, like, you know, <laughs> right on the side of a mountain. Right. I thought it was in the ocean. Did he? I thought he crashed. Did he crash into a mountain or an ocean? Or he crashed into Maybe the ocean. he crashed into a mountain, but then the plane f- bounced off the mountain and fell into an ocean. <laughs> In that case, we should also play Man in a Silver Mountain by Rainbow. Oh, look at you with the classic hits. Oh, I'm just, I'm, it's pouring out of me today. 
Uh, serial killer Stuart Weldon was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole in uh, Springfield Court on Thursday. Yeah, but when can I get out? I don't think you are. Family members of his victims addressed the courtroom. It was heavy and emotional, especially for the loved ones of the victims, but even for prosecutors and investigators who worked on the case. During the sentencing, uh, we uh, well, the 22 News did this whole thing where they, they interviewed the family members, uh, which, you know, you can go read the story on, on 22 to, to see the thing. I never really, like, uh, agreed with that. Like, Talk of the family members? Talking to these people who are already going through, uh, you know, this emotional uh, life event. It's, it's a will. little voyeuristic. It is. A little, and, uh, little, little uh, you know, too personal. Uh, Hamden County District Attorney Anthony Galuni, who has been with the case from the beginning, said the families of Kayla Escalante, Ernestine Ryans, and America Leiden will never have their loved ones back. I do, however, hope that today's sentencing brings them some peace and some measure of justice, and we hope to never see or experiencing, experience something like that again in our community. Uh, he will likely serve his sentence at a prison in Massachusetts, but there is a chance he could be transferred out of state. We talked about that the other day. I think that's part of the deal. I would think so, yeah. I think that's what uh, what's going to be happening with that. Yeah, every time I drive down Page Boulevard and I look at that house, and it's like I can't help but think, you know, what the hell went on in there. And, uh, you know, it's, just, it's still one of those un- you know, unnerving type of feelings when you're driving by it. And you're like, ooh, jeez, there's got to be a way I can avoid this. Uh, Northampton police were called to an armed robbery on King Street on Wednesday afternoon. A 44-year-old man from Holyoke entered Pam's Kicking Cuts around 4.34 p.m. It's uh, Cuts with a K. I thought it was nuts when I first looked at it. That Pam's be, Kicking Nuts? That would be a better name for a business. Do they take reservations? Should I, I don't know. Should I call ahead? I'm not trying to crap on the business. I'm just trying to make fun of the name. Well, I mean, bit. if you're looking for a cut... Mm-hmm. You want to walk out of there feeling like, you know, it's a kicking looking cut. Uh, around 4.34 p.m., an allegedly approached the receptionist showing her a hypodermic needle. Police stated that the man said, I just want what's in the register and I don't want to hurt anybody. Well, well then put the needle away. <laughs> that's, that's one way to stop it. It was stated that the man then ran out of the store and was apprehended by police a short time later. He was charged with armed assault to rob, uh, assault with a hypodermic needle, disguised to obstruct justice and other things. Mm. I say other things like I know what I'm talking about. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, a driver was arrested after police found thousands of fentanyl pills during a traffic stop in Orange Connecticut on Tuesday. Oh, man, really? Yeah. Doesn't seem so local now. According to the Connecticut State Police, state and federal law enforcement agencies are working to address the trafficking of opioids, other narcotics, and weapons into the New England area. Members of the Connecticut State Police Statewide Narcotics Task Force and DEA New Haven Office were assigned to conduct the the, uh, traffic stop. Authorities uh, conducted the stop for a motor vehicle violation in Orange. The driver of the 2009 Toyota with Pennsylvania plates was allegedly found in possession with 5,238 fentanyl pills. I'm always amazed, though. uh, I know there's a need to do this because they got to track every uh, every pill. But for crying out loud, that's a lot to count. It is a lot to count, you know, uh, and I know, and I know myself with numbers. I, I'm going to lose track and have to start all over again from the beginning. Mm, yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, one, 
two, two three. three. You know, I uh, I took a tour uh, a couple of years ago of the uh, the puzzle factory in Holyoke. Oh yeah, where they make all the jigsaw puzzles. Sure. And uh, there was these these two women who were uh, working on the line there that count all the pieces. Oh my to god! To make sure that there's the exact amount of pieces that need to be in each box. What a headache that would be. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the alcoholism that goes along with that job? <laughs> like, you're, t- you're counting numbers. All one, two, yeah. three, four, five. We got all the way up to a thousand. And you move on to the next box. Yeah, how many shots count- do you want? One, two, three, four. You're counting your shots, and too. Then you, yeah, and then you count a thousand, and then you realize, oh, no, that was the 500 piece box. Damn it. I, uh, that's, There's that- two Rosie O'Donnell puzzles that <laughs> I need to put together now. The Rosie O'Donnell puzzles. Oh, well, doesn't everybody have a Rosie O'Donnell puzzle? I do house? not have a Rosie O'Donnell one, but that doesn't mean it's what? not impossible Just for me to get one by the end of the day. You don't have one doesn't mean that other people don't have one. You know, I mean, I know there are, there are some people whose whose jobs are, are real uh, mundane drudgery. Um, I happen to think that uh, that's what we do here. But um, nevertheless, I, I just I can't imagine having to count something every day knowing what my skill set uh would not allow me to do do you, do you know how lucky we are that we don't have to deal you know we have like uh you know every once in a while we'll have a little maybe office tension around here or mm-hmm. something that we need to work out just like in any other uh office sure but we don't have to like do hard labor i like people like come Oh, man, you have to get up so early in the morning. Oh, it must be a hard job. And I'm like, yeah, so hard. And then you're like, but I don't have to get up and go, like, stack groceries in a freezer. Yeah. You know, like in a, in a warehouse. Or, well, I don't, or... don't want to say there's, there's no uh, physical exertion here. I had to lift a box the other day. Oh. And uh, I... Was I've... it the box of... Uh, Distilled water that you uh, were going to put in the fridge? Yes. It was. And, uh, you know, I found, I mean, I, I could feel uh, all the muscles in my back just, like, tense, ru- tense up. Because it was, it was a rigorous four-foot walk from the box where the water had been to the refrigerator, mm-hmm. you know, to to, uh, to chill it. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and at the end of it, you know, I couldn't just grab a, a bottle of water because it wasn't cold enough yet so i mean there's a lot of hazardous uh activity in this building that people have no idea we deal with i know you're joking but uh no i am not oh yeah that's your big gripe around here i got a lot of gripes but that's one of them um i just like i have a tremendous amount of respect for people who do like heavy labor Mm. any kind construction guys these guys busting their ass all day long from the before the sun even comes up Yep. You know, and then they're not even getting home until like seven or eight o'clock at night. And then you sleep for five, six hours and you get up and do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's, listen, that's, uh, I can't complain that I'm like, you know, uh, oh, this is, I'm so, well, Steve, it's really no different than what we do. We wake up early, we go through the same grind every day, the same rigmarole for inadequate pay. Mm -hmm. At the end of our day, we got, you know, we spend the rest of our afternoons and evenings. But we thinking about having to do it all over again the following day. That's, and it, yeah, I know. Uh, coming up with a good penis joke is really, really hard. You know what? Sometimes it takes me two or three days to come up with a good penis joke. Although I told a great one today that I can't share. 
You did tell a great one off the air. You didn't expect that one. You didn't see that one coming at you. The best part of this show happens off the air. Especially with that line. That's right. That will never be recreated (laughs) on the show. Sorry, folks. A uh, Berkshire County man was indicted on multiple counts of child sexual exploitation offenses on Thursday. The Department of Justice said 57-year-old Brian Holman of Sandusfield was charged with four counts of sexual exploitation of children and one count of commission of a felony offense involving a minor when required to register it as a sex offender. He's currently being held in Connecticut on unrelated charges and will appear in Springfield Federal Court later. The indictment alleges that uh, between October 2018 and July of 2020, Holman uh, employed, used, persuaded, and induced, enticed, and coerced minors in sexually explicit activities, all while documenting them on various occasions. What a great scumbag, huh? He really is. Uh, During that time, Holman uh, also allegedly committed a felony uh, offense with a minor while he was registered as a sex offender. He could spend more than 50 years in prison for the charges he's facing, followed by a lifetime of supervised release and a fine of $250,000. If you have any information on the case, you're asked to call uh, the Sandusfield police. But don't do it until after 10, because that's when the chief shows up. (laughs) That's when that cop arrives. You know who lives out there? Who? Is uh, Karen Allen. Oh, we talked to her. We did, and I think we brought up the fact that she does live in western Massachusetts, yeah. and she lives in Sandusfield, because she teaches up in uh, in the Berkshires. I can't remember what college she teaches Is at. Is it the Williams College or something like that? Uh, it's it's one of those. It's something with acting. She thinks she teaches acting yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Because those who can't do, teach. No, I'm just kidding. Man. And those who can't teach, teach gym. That's true. Yeah. Ah. Hell yeah. Oh, man. I have a friend who's a gym teacher. That's going to go over pretty well. I know. A uh, report of a stolen motor vehicle from the parking lot of 81 Conn Street in Northampton on September 25th has been located by Northampton police on Thursday morning around 2 a.m. Officer Cook, who doesn't have a first name apparently. Just Cook. uh, Observed two occupied vehicles in the parking lot of Northampton Market. Police stated that further investigation revealed that one of the occupied vehicles was the one previously reported stolen. The operator of the stolen vehicle was a 35-year-old Northampton man. The man was uh, taken into custody and charged with, uh, you know, receiving a stolen motor vehicle and yada, yada, yada. Here's the thing. Northampton is becoming the old West Springfield as far as the police reports go. Because now they're releasing information, but they're never releasing any suspect names. Right. So that way you don't really know what you're looking for if you're looking to turn somebody in. I wonder if somebody from West Springfield got transferred up to Northampton. <laughs> hey, Maybe. Hey, it's the old media because now you got a new media person uh, representative there, yeah. one of the officers there. Well, the, And the guy in West Springfield is almost to the point now where he won't shut up. He's yeah, almost he's, telling you too much. Yeah, I was just watching that uh, because you and I reference it all the time, the... Uh, uh, I think it was Patty Parisi in The Sopranos. Yeah, That's Patsy. Yeah. Pats, Patsy. Well, there was a twin. There was a twin. Yes, right. I can't remember which one. And they one whacked it... the, tw- the other twin. Yeah, they whacked yeah, the right. twin because he wouldn't shut up. That's right. He's like, in uh, Tony Soprano, his, uh, he's going to see a therapist over in uh, in Jersey. You know? And then next the, thing and you then, know, pop, pop, yeah, he's got two and, and a half. He's like, boom, boom, boom. He's like, well, there you go, kid. And he goes, well, there you go. And he, <laughs> he shoots him right in the face because he wouldn't shut up, you know? That's kind of like what it is. It's yeah, like it's yeah. like this uh, loose lips. See, what's interesting to me is, um, I, the, to me, the only reason why this is news is because cops typically don't really look for stolen vehicles, and so when one one is found, everyone's really surprised by it. Yeah. Oh, here's this one. I totally forgot about this yesterday. 
uh, a standoff involving an alleged armed man at a Ludlow home caused by a nearby school uh, caused a nearby school to delay its opening yesterday morning. Ludlow Police Chief uh, Daniel Velatis said that around 2.06 a.m. Thursday morning, officers went to a home on Ray Street for a report of an angry man destroying property. Angry man! (laughs) The uh, man, identified as 52-year-old James uh, Vasquez, was visibly hostile towards police and allegedly stated to officers that he was armed with a gun. A uh, command post was uh, created outside the home with assistance from Wilbraham Police and members of the Hamden County Special Response Team. Ray Street was closed for nearly five hours during the standoff. After speaking to Vasquez for more than four hours, he was taken into custody without any incident. A search warrant was obtained to search his home shortly after. Inside the home, officers found a 9mm gun and and an assortment of knives and swords and a pellet gun. But was it a glorified version of a pellet gun? Vasquez was charged with <laughs> threat to commit a crime, assault on a family and household member, treat to use a deadly weapon, and vandalize property. Well, it's a good thing they found the gun in his house. Can you imagine if he had threatened that, you know, I've got a gun in the house, and there's a four-hour, five-hour standoff, and there's no gun? Like you would have wasted everybody's time that would have been, with uh, your garbage because you got a little bit perturbed. I think he's a, he's a very angry man. Very angry guy. You got to give a moment or two to the angry young man. Wow. How I many know, references uh, can we puke I, uh, out in one, in one newscast? I don't know, but I can hear the piano solo going on <laughs> right now. <laughs> your Pioneer Valley forecast today going to be mostly sunny with a high of 69. Tomorrow is sunny with a high of 73. It's 38 right now in downtown Springfield. I'm Steve Nagel, and that's the news on Rock 102. Oh, yeah. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 6.53 and Van Halen on Rock 102. Uh, your Pioneer Valley forecast is going to be mostly sunny today with a high of 69. Tomorrow, uh, sunny with a high of 73. It's 38 right now in downtown Springfield. We had uh, an email uh, about our playlist. You know, we were talking about John Denver earlier. Yeah, I, I, I said how nice it would be to start including some of his songs. And then uh, this guy uh, writes in. He's a guy named Hawk. Hawk. Yeah. First name. That's Hawk. his first name, Hawk. That's what it said. I don't want to give the last name. I don't know if he wants me to. Uh, how many Hawks are there? I, I don't know. He's pretty identifiable, I'm sure, to his friends. Absolutely, yes. Who doesn't want to hear John Denver? Your rotation definitely needs to pick some songs to replace nowadays. Well, uh, well, well me... your wish has come true, my friend. Well, life on the farm is kind of laid back. Ain't nothing like a country boy to be now. It's early to rise, early in the sack. Thank God I'm a country boy. Well, a simple kind of life never did me no harm. Raising me a family and working on a farm. <laughs> the fact that you have memorized these lyrics disturbs me. Well, I got me a fine life. I got me old fiddle. When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the griddle. Life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle. Thank God I'm a country boy. Yeah, I'm not playing the whole thing, but unfortunately, uh, I know way too many words. Though, so. <laughs> I was gonna say it's disturbing the living bejesus out of me. Hey, uh, I went to the Big E last night. Okay, and uh, we'll talk about that coming up after uh, seven o'clock. And holy uh, crap! And as we uh, we told you earlier, Tony Signoli will be joining us after eight o'clock. We're gonna talk about this whole Smith and Wesson mess that's uh, coming up uh, later on today too. I like Tony. I like Tony too. Good, good, good. Good, good man. Good, good man. Good yeah. man. Good mm. man. Bats. Wow. Good, wow. You're good. You're wow. good. Wow. wow. Very good. Wow. Very good. Wow. Oh my goodness, that was a great show. Well said. Well put. Well, well good show. Good show. <laughs>
It's uh, 655 with Bax and O'Brien and Rock 102. Save your show. Bax's View from the Couch. Brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware, your neighborhood paint store. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you? Folks, I like to peel myself away from this Tom Brady's coming back to Foxborough nonsense for a while and talk about something that's actually more important. The Red Sox and the American League wildcard race. Believe me, once the Patriots game is over with, they still have an entire season to forget about whatever happens on Sunday. But the Red Sox regular season ends on the very same day. And with one of two wildcard spots looming with three games left to play, I cannot help but feel that we are perhaps overlooking the importance of the next three days. Last night, the Red Sox found a way to lose to the worst team in the American League for the second time in three days. Last night, they lost to the Baltimore Orioles by a score of 6-2. The loss puts them in a tie with Seattle for the second wildcard spot, one game behind the Yankees and only one game ahead of Toronto. Last night, the Yankees beat Toronto 6-2, and had the Red Sox been able to beat the Orioles, we might be having a slightly different discussion. But the Orioles are a team that's lost 105 games this season, and two of their 51 wins this year came over the last three nights against the Red Sox. Do you have any idea how hard it is to lose to the Baltimore Orioles twice? It's very difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible because clearly the Red Sox are able to make it happen despite the importance of each individual in- uh, outcome. Tonight, however, the Red Sox begin their final regular season series on the road with a simple interleague series against the Washington Nationals. Now, the Nationals are a terrible team as well, but even by National League standards, they're still statistically better than the Baltimore Orioles, so every game in this series could either put them into the postseason or bury their chances. And since they can't control what either Seattle or Toronto is going to do in the next couple of days, they need to focus on how to play professional baseball against a team that is 21 and a half games out of first place in their division. Should be easy, right? except they can barely handle Baltimore, who are 46 games out of first place. I'm also I'm almost at the point where I wish Alex Cora would break out the outfield cameras and some trash barrels and get back to work. But hey, enough of my yapping sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. You don't have to wait to spring. You can go to Rocky's now and get Scott's Winter Guard Turf Builder. It's on sale all month. You put that stuff in your lawn, it does its magic, and by next summer, you've got beautiful grass. Scott's Turf Builder, on sale now at your neighborhood Rocky's Ace Hardware. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. Rock 102, Springfield. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 708 and the doors on Rock 102. Going to be mostly sunny today with a high of 69. Giggity. Tomorrow, uh, sunny with a high of 73. It is 38 right now in downtown Springfield. Did you uh, uh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, Tony Signoli coming up uh, about an hour from now. We're going to talk about this whole uh, Smith & Wesson uh, debacle from yesterday. Uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty big news. Real big news, I'd say. Right. So uh, that's uh, that's coming up later on. Uh, have you gone to the Big E this year? No, I have not. Uh, I have not gone. I don't think I'm going to make it out. <sighs> I really, really was trying to avoid going. But then I was uh, you know, convinced uh, to go. Uh, I brought the kids. We met up with uh, my girlfriend and her friends. Okay. And uh, walked around for a little bit. Getting in, no problem. Really was not that whole lot of traffic. It was about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Yesterday, right? That's reasonable. Not too bad. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the... Uh, we're driving down Memorial, and uh, there's, you know, there's people out there trying to get you to park in their lot, you know, before you get to the actual Big E. Sure. 
and there's a guy, and I don't know what business it was standing out in front of, but he's got a he's got a bullhorn, and he's like, all right, yeah, $10, $10, right here, $10, right here, $10, you want right to be easy in, easy out, just like my ex. So kudos to that guy because yeah, he now making, he's really selling the sizzle. But he made everybody who was like sitting there waiting in that uh, stagnant traffic uh, laugh because it, you could visibly see everybody laughing. Well, because normally on a busy day, it's <laughs> usually just some kid out in a, on a like a like a fold out chair with a flag in his hand, you know, reading a book or just you know diddling around on their uh, on their cell phone. This guy took it one step further and started doing the bullhorn thing, which uh, was seemingly pretty effective for his parking. Uh, well, it's nice Boy. to see someone put some you know real motivation into it. Hey, look, man, you uh you reinvent yourself. You don't look like every other flag waving kid out there. I don't you know. Stand if, out. I don't know of any parking lot in this area that tries to put some showmanship into what they do. And I think that uh, you know that would that would motivate me to park in your parking lot. Yeah, we need the uh, the valet uh, when we do like the events up at the log cabin. Yeah, have them start doing uh, like bullhorn stuff. Hey, I heard from the big event. Come on down. Hey, I mean, a bullhorn's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could be doing just like, uh, you know, simple, like, uh, you know, simple hack material. Like, you know, yeah. I just can't believe the food on the airplane. I'd even take a guitar act. I mean, that, I mean, I, I would be that desperate for entertainment walking into the log cabin. So we uh, we go. <laughs> that would be a worth, yeah, it's, it's a not a, it's not an indictment on the log cabin. But no, no, I love no, no, that no. place. No, log cabin's great. I'm just talking about hey, we could spice it up a little bit. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, uh, so I, I parked on one of the side streets there on sure. somebody's property, you know, 10 bucks or 15 bucks, 15 bucks to park. Okay. But I had free tickets, so I really wasn't too concerned about it. Right. Sure. So, uh, you know, we get there, we get to the biggie and then there, there's a security line, uh, which I've never seen before. At the Big E. This is uh, checking everybody for, like, temperatures and stuff? or uh, No. Weaponry? No. Weaponry, probably. Okay. Um, but uh, Well, they did have that brawl there over the weekend. They did have the brawl over there over the weekend. Uh, but as I was uh, walking in, uh, my you know, my kids bring b- brought backpacks with them. Oh, you know? yeah. And, uh, you and know, a lot of illegal contraband inside yeah. of them, I'm sure. They didn't even check the inside of the bag. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like, honey, uh, put the, put the bag up on the thing so the man can, man can look through it. He did. He didn't look through it. He just like, oh, he's like, it's a kid. Yeah, well, that uh, kid could be could be uh, could be muling weed inside. You don't know. I got I could have had a twenty two news call it the Sig Sour. That's it. Sig Sour. Right. That's Sig it. Sour. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, but anyway, so we we go through the uh, security, but there was a line there, which I, I it didn't. I don't know. Like I never experienced a wait like that. To get into the Big E. Especially if you already had tickets. Yes. Yeah, you know, you already have tickets. but And they, and that's what the guy was saying. You can jump out of line and go buy a ticket if you don't have one. And then we can get you into, uh, you know, get get back in line where you were sure. for the security line. But uh, so we, we get in. And then um, it's not that busy. Like, I like it that way. When there's not a whole, like, swarms of yes. people around. And uh, you know we went to, we got the uh, we got the tater tots at the tots a lot thing okay over by gate nine that's where the uh, they had the chicken tot pie yeah oh, dude was it's it good a, yeah it's tater tots with chicken and gravy and peas oh, and carrots yeah that's uh, good over the top of the tater tots and, and then and and the si- topping is, and is, a side of cranberry sauce so it's like you're eating a Thanksgiving dinner wow and so and and the uh, the tots of the topping. 
the tots are the bottom part. The topping is the is the gravy and the it's like poured over the top of it. Oh wow, it's awesome. That right, sounds pretty good. Uh, so you know, we walked around. It's hard we, to mess up tots. I got to tell you, it's it's really hard to mess them up unless they're you know, like soft and stuff like that. And yeah, not so good. There's something these folks do to them. There, I don't know if they season them or something. That oh, they, yeah. they're a little bit different uh, tasting. Nice. But uh, I'm a big tot fan. Oh yeah, I'm a, tater uh, tot fan. Not, uh, you know. you're the talk of the tots. I am the talk of the tots. I'm a big fan of those tot finder stickers in the windows of homes. Remember those? <laughs> I don't. You used to have to put them in your window to tell them with firefighters where the kid was. It was a tot finder. Oh, okay. You know, and the thing. Anyway. That's so we're, different. We're walking around. We go into the uh, Better Living Center. Now, we're the only ones, other than a few vendors, wearing masks in there. Like, th- this whole idea of putting in the mask mandate was kind of silly because nobody's following it. And no and one's enforcing nobody's it. Nobody's enforcing it. So what was the whole point of doing that and the big controversy and all this other stuff to go along with it? Is it just a feel-good thing for them? Well, I noticed that like uh, in the video of the brawl yeah. the other night, very few of the people who were involved in that scrum were uh, were mindful of social distancing. I And I know it's hard to, to, mm-hmm. to cause a rumble or a riot without... Uh, you know, without and social distance at the same time, that mm-hmm. makes it very difficult. But maybe that's what people should do. Yeah, uh, we we walked around. We 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 spent maybe twenty twenty five minutes in the in the building. Did you buy anything? Yeah, I did. I bought a uh, bought a t shirt. Smart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what that is later. But uh, <laughs> I buy a t shirt. Um, but anyway, uh, so uh, you know, we walk around. We go outside of the building, and then they have the big parade, right? Right. And then um, I'm standing there, and they're throwing beads off the thing. Sure. And then all of a sudden, there's these, like, drunk college kids yelling at the people on the floats, Give me your effing beads, man! <laughs> you know, they're throwing the beads down. I get hit in the head with a, with a set of beads. Wait. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't, like, injured. You weren't blatant? You didn't uh, break skin? No, but you mm. know how when somebody, like, flicks you in the head? Oh, yeah. yeah that's exactly what it felt like. Smart. You know, I'm like, what's going on? You know, and then, like, you know, the beast comes out, and you're trying to take care of everybody. <laughs> did but, you did you have to puff up and say, hey, man? Yo, what's up? It's my head, what's dude. Up? What's up? So, uh, you know, we uh, we walked, we basically walked around. We didn't do any rides. We didn't do any of that stuff. It right. was more of a, you know, just kind of seeing what was out in the open. Because honestly, I really didn't feel that comfortable being inside those buildings. Like, there was something about the fact that, you know, uh, you know, and, people. And, were, and you were there on a, on a low attendance night. Yeah. And it, it, parts of it were busy. Like, it was weird. Like, you know, one side by the gate nine, all of a sudden after we came out of the Better Living Center, it was like a sea of people. Sure. And then I was like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> like, we need to walk <laughs> away from this. And, uh, you know, we met up with our friends, and then you know, we were walking with them for a while and, uh, you know, went into the, some of the – we went into, like, two state buildings. Most of the state buildings close at 9 o'clock. I didn't realize I that. had no idea. Yeah. And I'm like, they close at 9? This thing doesn't – isn't this thing over at 11? Yeah. So I don't know why they why they close the state buildings. Uh, so if I'm, if I'm in line for yeah. a main baked potato and it's 8.58 – yeah, I could be boxed out in two minutes. Yeah, pretty much. I don't like that. You know that we're in the Rhode Island building, and they're like, "It's nine p.m. The Rhode Island building is closing," and I'm like, "And I did." It's such a big state. <laughs> we didn't get to see the whole thing. 
And then my girlfriend's friend was like, yeah, yeah, that's a weak joke. Weak joke. Horrible. Wow. Didn't really like it. Yeah. Your girlfriend's friend? Yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah, I know. Boy, I gotta, they get some nerve. Now I got to deal with that now. Right? Oh, boy. Uh, so, but, you know, here's the thing. As we didn't have, like, this horrible experience where something bad happened to us or anything, but I'm the kind of person that really doesn't like large crowds. I don't like, you know, being bunched in. So that at least wasn't happening. Sure. Bunching in of the large crowds. But the overwhelming smell of marijuana being smoked everywhere. Mm -hmm. it, you could not escape it. Right. And it was, and here's the thing, you know, I took my kids to the Grand Canyon back in June and we stayed in a hotel in Vegas. And every every couple of minutes last night, my kids are like, smells like Vegas in here. Because <laughs> that's all you smell is burnt weed everywhere. <laughs> and it's like... It's really obnoxious. It's an obnoxious smell. Sure. And it really only smells good when you're doing it yourself. Right. And you know, I'm you know, I'm a I'm a avid cannabis user, but I'm very mindful of other people. Like I don't I wouldn't do it out in public. I, I don't know. I think well, it's more like it's it's just like, you know, me smoking a cigar. You know, it, I don't smoke cigars in, like, the faces of people. No, you do it uh, on your own side. time. yeah. You see, the thing uh, about the Big E is, you know, for many people, its its primary function is a food event. People go because they want to eat the food. Yeah, and it's like, uh, it's like a parade of different choices. Well, mm -hmm. what better substance is there to clear your hunger away, to give you the munchies to eat more, than cannabis? I get that. You know what I'm I saying? I get that part. I mean, it, but it, you know, there's other methods to use it. You can smoke it before you go in there. You don't have to do it, you know. No, don't wine. you need to do it in between portions? You don't really need to, depending <laughs> on how much. If, if you're not smoking enough to begin with, I don't I know what you're, uh, what you're doing. Uh, but it's just like an obnoxious smell. And on t so that's mixed in with the horse manure that's left from the, uh, from the parade. The parade. And uh, I don't know. It was just this like Bondi's Island type effervescent smell. Yeah, no. I mean, all mixed in with weed and stale beer. Well, it's like when you're in the Mallory Building, you're 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 dealing with animals who you know have no shame and just uh, squat right there. You know, if I were ever in a parade, let's say I was in the Holyoke St. Patrick's Day Parade, I think there's probably a ninety-nine point nine nine percent chance that I'm not going to drop my pants. And rip one out on the street. I'm probably not going to do oh, that. Oh, I've one. done that before at the Holyoke Parade. I wasn't in the parade. Yes, but, but I've done that at the parade. Someone who is marching in the parade <laughs> is probably not going to do that. No, no. Yeah. Someone, I, someone who is viewing the parade uh, will most likely have to do that because there are no facilities. But at least with, if you're in the parade, you go before you take off. Um, you know, so again, it's a Thursday evening. You know, we were there till about 930 uh, which I didn't think was very late, you know what I mean? Right. But there is this inordinate amount of drunks walking around. <laughs> like like sloppy, sloppy drunk. Uh. And and it's like, I get it. It's probably, you know, they're probably bringing in booze with them. You're right. And then pouring it into the $8 soda uh, to get their, to get their <laughs> drunkenness. But it was just like, you know, people swearing and, oh, yeah. and and people like ready to fight each other. You know what's happening? It's not a 
family-friendly event. Not, it's just not. Not at night. But you know what? Uh, do you see what's happening here? Do you do you do you see what's going on? Why you're becoming an old man? I am becoming an old man. Because I'm becoming a very uh, angry old man. Years ago, and I think I even knew you when you might have been the kind of guy who would have gotten drunk at the Big E, yeah, and have been that guy swearing and hooting and hollering and and throwing beads at people's heads. But you know what it was back in those days. The drinking was the thing that helped me survive the other people at that Big E. Understood. And yeah. they're all dealing with their social anxieties yeah. the same way. And it just was like, I don't know. You're it, becoming one of us. So then we're uh, we're walking out. We're walking back to the car. And we got to walk like, you know, maybe five or six blocks down the street. Yeah. And then this guy comes up to me who's clearly drunk. And he's like, he's got the phone in his hand holding it up in the air. <laughs> And he's like, hey, man. And he's way younger than me. Sure. Right? And he goes, hey, man, do you know how to use a freaking GPS? <laughs> I'm like, where are you trying to get to? And he's like, I don't know, man. This is my friend's cell phone. And that's their phone. Like, that's their phone on the dot. But I can't figure out which way to go on the street. Right? <laughs> so I'm like. All right, man, and I'm looking at his map, and I take the phone from him, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, okay, well, Latitudes is back that way. You're going the wrong way. Your <laughs> Latitude restaurant is because they must have been inside the gate. Gotcha. And then he was trying to get back to where the friends were, and he's like telling me this whole story. Like, I don't even care. Like, I don't care. I'm just telling the guy, look, you got to go back that way. And But we're near this liquor store that's on the corner, and he's like, well, I gotta go back and see my friends and my kids, but I gotta stop in the liquor store first. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, because that's what you need is more <laughs> booze. I'm like, why don't you get one of them uh, hundred proof shots in yeah. there? And uh, you know, you take need it a, to town. What you need is a brick of fireball yeah, right now, whole then, brick. And then we're walking away, and my kids are like starting to laugh as they're like, "That guy was drunk." <laughs> <laughs> And then we dr were driving out, and we see the guy, like, stumbling back from the liquor store, and the kids are like, there he is! He's walking down the street! <laughs> the best part of the Big E was outside of the Big E. <laughs> it's 724 with Bax and O'Brien and Steve Nagel on Rock 102. With Bax and O'Brien at Rock 102, it's time for news. Brought to you by Yankee Home Improvement. This month, receive 60% off installation with no money down. No payments and no interest for a full year. Visit YankeeHomeImprovement.com and always use the keyword ROCK102. Here's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Thanks, Bax. Firearms manufacturer Smith & Wesson announced Thursday that they will be moving their headquarters and a large amount of their operations to Maryville, Tennessee in 2023. Uh, Mark Smith, president and CEO of Smith & Wesson, said this has been an extremely difficult and emotional decision for us, but after an exhaustive and thorough analysis, for the continued health and strength of our iconic company, we feel that we have been left with no other alternative. Smith said recent proposed legislation in Massachusetts would prevent the company from manufacturing certain firearms in the Commonwealth, which uh, turns out to be more than 60% of their revenue. So, again, we'll talk to uh, consultant uh, Tony Signoli coming up after 8 o'clock about this whole thing. Uh, in Ludlow yesterday, a standoff involving an alleged armed man at a home caused uh, a nearby school to delay its opening yesterday morning. Ludlow Police Chief Velatis, he does have a first name, you know, 22, just want to let you know. Isn't it uh, Daniel? Daniel, Daniel, yeah. 
But they just like to, I don't know if it's them or it's the people releasing the press releases. Who's not, who's leaving out the first names? Yeah, good point. Anyway, Ludlow Police Chief Daniel Veladas uh, said that uh, around 2.06 a.m. Thursday morning, officers went to a home on Ray Street for a report of an angry man destroying property. I'm smash! <laughs> Me are angry! Police get off my lawn! Is this at 2 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, anyway, the man, identified as 52-year-old James Vasquez, was visibly hostile towards police and allegedly stated to officers that he was armed with a firearm. A command post was uh, created outside of the home with assistance from the Wilbraham police and members of the Hamden County Special Response Team. Ray Street was closed for nearly five hours during the standoff. After speaking to Vasquez for more than four hours, he was taken into custody without any incident. A search warrant was obtained to search his home, and shortly after... Uh, officers found a 9mm firearm, an assortment of knives and swords, and a pellet gun. He's being charged with multiple charges. According to a message from the Ludlow Public School Superintendent Lisa Nemeth, there was a two-hour delay and no morning preschool at the East Street School due to, situa- due to the situation. You know, as a man in his 50s myself, I have to tell you that the idea of causing a ruckus at 2 o'clock in the morning uh, seems a little tough uh, for me to comprehend. I mean, I would be... I would be asleep after a four-hour standoff. I mean, oh, no. I'd probably be asleep after, like, 20 minutes of a standoff. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to have the... Uh, Not at that time of day. I need my rest. The stamina to do that either. I mean, I can't. I couldn't cause a an armed standoff and then come in here the next day I do a radio show. Not without a good night's sleep. Listen, I have, uh, I have two daughters at home. There is nothing but terrorist negotiations all day long in that house. <laughs> Well, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. Yeah, I hate to break it to you, buddy. You're, you're, you're. That's only getting started. Wait till they're like 15, 16 years old, or they get their driver's license and want to borrow the car. Yeah, anybody in government who says we don't negotiate with terrorists, uh, apparently you don't have teenagers. Yeah, you don't have teenage uh, kids in the house. Serial killer Stuart Weldon was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole in Springfield Court yesterday. Family in a row. In a row. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we were trying to make them uh, concurrent. Yeah, you could skip. Because uh, my guess is he's only really going to serve one of them. Mm-hmm. Family members of his victims addressed the courtroom. It was very heavily, uh, it was very heavy and emotional, especially for the loved ones of the victims, but even for prosecutors and investigators who worked on the case. Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's like it affects a lot of people because you talk about the, you know, the like they said, the investigators who had to go to that grisly scene I know. and find all that stuff and then not knowing how many others were there. That's probably like, you know, what else are we going to find? You know, I don't want to say luckily it was only three. No, but I you know, know what but I mean. It, like it could have been a lot worse. But if I you think. remember as it's happening, you know, there were lots of questions about, well, you know, how many were were there and there was a lot of secrecy involved mm-hmm. you know it, it wasn't like people were going to get information and it you know because it was such a you know an active grisly scene when they're uh, you know going through the backyard you, you know they weren't going to tell anybody any information you know, they, this is this was a, a big case and they didn't want to you know compromise it in any way it's it, it when, when he got arrested you know he ran from the police you know they pulled over uh, the car with right. him and the girl. I think it was his girlfriend was in the car, and he ran from the police. And he said, "There's a body in the trunk," and there was no body in the trunk. It was almost like he wanted to get caught, because that's usually sometimes <laughs> what happens with serial killers is they don't want it. 
as as horrible as the the acts that they committed, they sometimes don't they don't want to continue doing that. So, no, they. I mean, they. Yeah, yeah, they they realize that what they do is completely repugnant. But yeah, nevertheless, Weldon was sentenced to the three life consecutives without the possibility of parole. He will likely serve his sentence at a prison in Massachusetts, but there's a chance he could be transferred out of state, which I think is probably part of the deal because you don't you probably don't want to be in prison with other people that might know the people that the victims that you uh, possibly but and killed. Possibly, but um, I, I don't know if they're going to do him any favors just to just to protect him. Uh, Springfield fire investigators are trying to figure out what caused the truck fire in the Pine Point neighborhood Wednesday. According to Fire Captain Drew Piemonte, there were no injuries in the fire, which happened in the area of 95 Arnold Avenue. The arson and bomb squad has been called in to investigate what happened. Did you, uh, I don't know if you saw this. It's like one of those trucks that uh, carries dumpsters. Oh, really? The ones that, like, lift up the dumpster on the back of the truck? Yeah. This thing is all, like, fire-gooded out. Like, somebody really, uh, really torched this thing. It's pretty nasty. That's crazy. Was anything, uh, were all these dumpsters empty? Uh, well, there was no dumpster on the truck. It's like an empty flatbed. I see. You know, that they would put the dumpster on. Uh, but man, this thing got destroyed. Like, somebody really, uh, really had a grudge against this truck <laughs> really have a thing against dumpsters uh how's your peter bill well not so well now <laughs> start off with good construction it was built pretty well and right. time goes on uh on wednesday night 22 news reported about a van used to help local vets and their families falling victims to catalytic catalytic converter theft at the eastfield mall now the community has come together to help get the van back up and running, a GoFundMe page was created to cover the repair costs for the Mass Military Support Foundation van. Kelly uh, or Kenny Melanson with the foundation uh, said that it was set up by the mall's marketing manager. He uh, he said Red's Towing also brought the van over to Spartan Auto in West Springfield on Thursday free of charge. A number of vet services are chipping in as well, and the van should be ready for pickup on Monday. Which is great that all these people are coming out to help, but these a holes stealing the catalytic converters off a vehicle come on man I'm telling you they're valuable and and from what i understand it, it's not that easy to take uh no i guess a couple cuts not... of a sawzall and uh, i mean i can show you how to do it if oh. you've got some time after the show i saw uh it was on uh, reddit the other day and i saw uh, these this lady basically catching these two guys stealing and it was within seconds it, like 30 seconds yeah. Whatever the tool, that, like you said, whatever tool they had, just it takes cut nothing. right off, and then they take it with them. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a there's somebody here who drives around a, in a very nice car. I'll show you how it's done. Oh yeah, we can do that. Too, yeah. Before we leave today. And then you and I will go uh, to a uh, to a to a junkyard. We'll sell it. We'll get the money. Take you out to lunch. That'll be our bonus. You know, the, the the thing about it is, you know, these guys are stealing these catalytic converters, mm-hmm. and they're selling them to scrapyards who clearly know this is stolen merchandise. You know, and this is the thing I don't get, and I never understood why these places are not held to a higher standard about, you know, I've talked to people, uh, you know, I have friends who, you know, work in these, like, utility companies and all mm-hmm. this other stuff about how, you know— one time they were on a job, and uh, I don't know exactly what it was. I think it was like manhole covers or something. Yes. You know, 
manhole covers, which are clearly identifiable, being traded in at a metal scrapyard, and then the scrapyard going, I don't know who dropped these off. Like, what the hell, man? Like, you know, there's no cooperation there. I know. You know, I uh, once saw a very interesting documentary about a guy who uh, owned a a junkyard, Mm -hmm. uh, scrap yard. And, uh, you know, he lived with his son and uh, he'd have friends come over. His uh, his, uh, sister-in-law would come over and occasionally would have uh, this heart attack uh, throughout the show. But... Uh, throughout the documentary, and it was uh, it was fascinating to see the ins and outs of the uh, the junkyard industry. Um, I believe you're describing the plot line to Sanford and Son, which was a popular television show back in the 1970s. Oh, you've seen it? Yes, well, I then have. Then you know uh, exactly what I'm talking about. He had a, a wife who had uh, Elizabeth, who had predeceased. Who was uh, yeah, she she had died, and uh, Aunt Esther would you know come over and insult him, and yeah. his son uh, Lamont would uh, you know try to patch things up every week but uh, nevertheless that was that was a junkyard situation that you knew you could trust the people involved all i can say to you is cool story bro you're damn right yeah <laughs> in person sports betting begins thursday in connecticut giving new englanders another option for placing legal wagers on tom brady's long anticipated return to foxborough this sunday and we won't be able to do that 94 percent of the bets on that game are for Tom Brady to cover the spread. According to Caesars, 94%. See, I'd go put 20. Every, everybody betting on that game are, are claiming that the seven points is too few. See, and they will go, cover it. I'd go put 20 bucks down on the uh, on the opposite end. That way you win some real that money if it doesn't win. go his way. Yeah, but yeah. It's, anyway, it's only 20 bucks. Yeah, you're not losing that much. But no. if you're one of these dopes that's going to you know, unload their entire life savings because you think Tom Brady deserves to win. Yeah, I got to, I got to, you got another thing coming, mister. But uh, here we are as the Massachusetts Senate mulls over the legalization of sports betting again this season. The activity has now been approved in every state bordering Massachusetts besides Vermont. The uh, House approved a sports betting bill this summer, but the Senate, where the bill has not uh, drawn outright opposition, has consistently shown less interest in the idea and has the House bill under the review of its Ways and Means Committee. And here we are again, that we're going to be the last in line to jump on these things, and we're going to lose out on all this revenue, and it's just be, uh, going to become a crap show. Yep. Yeah. And by the time we get it, people won't be interested in it anymore. Today, our Connecticut's rollout began yesterday with in-person betting uh, t- at temporary sports books at Mohegan Sun and Foxwoods, uh, both in the eastern part of the state and relatively accessible from Massachusetts by I-395 and I-95. I still don't – I'm not that much into sports betting that I'm going to take an hour-and-a-half ride down to uh, Connecticut. Oh, hell no. Uh, to go make a sports bet. No. We'll do that illegally. Do you know any radio host that might be uh, willing to take a bet for you? Who do I know someone in radio that might know a thing or two about illegal sports betting? <laughs> I can't say I would. You don't know anybody? Man, not off the top of my head mm. anymore. Uh, Match.com released some teaser highlights from its annual Singles in America study, which comes out later this fall, and they found sex with roommates has surged during the pandemic, especially for younger people. That's not really like a shocking revelation. You would think that if you weren't able to go out anywhere and, uh, you know, see anybody or do anything, there's nothing open. I mean, I've I've had my share of uh, roommate situations, but I've... 
never found them to be overwhelmingly uh, attractive enough to sleep with. I uh, yeah, I never had sex with any of my roommates. No, they were all men. That doesn't uh, make a difference in today's age. No, it doesn't. Uh, I'm not into that though. You know, I, maybe I, if I was in, if I was like in a Jack Tripper situation where I had two hot chicks and I was sure. you know pretending to be a gay man to in order to. Fend well, because the uh, Ropers would never have put up with that. I mean, you know, maybe Mr. Furley. But... Mrs. Roper probably would have. But Mr. Roper no, would never have uh, he would never st- have approved. He wouldn't stand for that kind of uh, malarkey, if you will. Right. Shenanigans. Those kind of shenanigans, mm-hmm. uh, those hijinks and tomfoolery. I, you know, when I was in college, I had, uh, I lived in a situation where we had uh, two young ladies living in our apartment. And they were attractive enough ladies. But uh, the thing about uh, that situation is I was not attractive to them, which prevented any kind of tomfoolery from happening. I made myself quite unavailable. Oh, really? Did you? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, was not, I was not appealing back in that. I mean, unless you found you know, fat, smelly guys loaded with puke to be completely uh, you know, irresistible. We were, uh, we were in, uh, I lived at Westfield State. You know, when I when I went there. Sure. Before it was a university, I went to the old college. Westfield College. When, when it wasn't that important. The state college. The state college. And uh, <laughs> we there was these two people that we knew that li- one, the girl lived next to me, and then the guy lived down the hall. And then they wound up, like, hooking up with each other, right? Right. So my friends and I would sit in my room, because we, we had a big room. There was, like, three of us in the room as opposed to two, so it was a bigger room. Right. And uh, we would sit there around a table, and we would do shots every time she would have an orgasm. And we'd be drunk by the end because this they were going to town on each other. Like, yeah. Yeah, that was just nothing but nonstop sex in that room. Were any of you dudes faking drinking your shots? Uh, yeah, we were all... No, no, we... <laughs> No, but we would like make it interesting uh, when she would, uh, you know, say things like stick it in my, you know what, uh, right? You sure. Know, and, yeah. uh, you know, we would be like, yeah, there you go, another shot down the gully. <laughs> Here's mud in your eye. And we will be hammered. I bet you would. Two people. And uh, we live. We the name of the hall was Lammers Hall. We kept calling it Hammers Hall because oh, Lammers Hall. Yeah, yeah right. that's what it, that was. What was going on in that room that's next to us? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Oh, you got it. <laughs> Anyway, in the past year, 20% of Gen Zers <laughs> and 33% of millennials who are single have gotten it on with a non-romantic roommate for the first time, meaning someone they live with but aren't dating. And here's some more pandemic dating stats, because I know you want to hear them. Sure. Uh, on average, single people have made out with one person in the last year, so uh, someone, so some have made out with more than that, and some haven't kissed anyone. Oh, lonely people. of single people have had sex in the past year, but only 8% have had a one-night stand during the pandemic. Well, it was kind of hard to do the one-night stand. When everyone's home quarantined? Yeah, what are you supposed to do? Most single people will now wait at least three dates before getting it on. 71% uh, won't have sex before the third date, and 45% won't even make out. (laughs) Wow. That's so... Uh, almost half of single people who've slept with someone in the past 12 months say they faked it in bed, and it's hard to believe, but more men said yes than women. 47% of uh, men and 46% of women. Say they faked it? Yeah. Really? Never, hey, really, uh, never really had to fake it. Well, and you, if you're faking goo, you know, <laughs> make sure it doesn't have a cucumber melon smell to it. Yeah. Because then they'll well, know it's moisturizer. Good call on that one. Only half... 
Half of Match.com users say their ideal relationship right now would be committed to be would be a committed one. Twenty seven percent would be a friends with benefits scenario. And that gets all messy then. Friends with benefits. Yeah. You mean like uh, like vacation time and uh, yeah, sick like, leave. Yeah, <laughs> sick leave. <laughs> like those kind of benefits. Listen, because at my uh, age, that's that's the only kind of benefit I'm really looking for. I can. Can you provide health care? I can't have sex with you today. I'm filing FMLA on my behalf. <laughs> Your uh, Pioneer Valley forecast today brought to you by Fogbuster Nitro Cold Brew Coffee. Going to be mostly sunny with a high of 69. Giggity tomorrow, sunny with a high of 73. It is 40 right now in downtown Springfield. Next time you're at the beverage cooler, look for the black and white can. I drink it every morning. It's Fogbuster Nitro Cold Brew Coffee. It's velvety smooth and never bitter. Because Fogbuster is air roasted. Look for the black and white can in the beverage cooler, and that's your Fogbuster forecast and the news on Rock 102. Ah, yeah. Our home in. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 7.53 and Jimi Hendrix on Rock 102. Sunny today with a high of 69. Tomorrow, uh, sunny with a high of 73. It's 40 right now in downtown Springfield. Uh, you miss any Vax and O'Brien show, whether it's this show or yesterday's show or three weeks ago. You can always check out the Bax and O'Brien Daily Podcast. It's available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or directly from BaxandO'Brien.com. You should also check out uh, Baxi's musical podcast on Monday. Got a brand new interview coming up with Hall- Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Rick Wakeman from Yes. He's coming to uh, yes. the Academy of Music in Northampton on October 15th for a, a show full of uh, music and a lot of great stories. A dude is loaded with great stories of him playing with Yes and David Bowie and Black Sabbath. So that's coming up on Monday on VaxNobrian.com. Uh, you know, back in 2018, the uh, European Union fined Google uh, $5 billion for pushing its search engine on people with phones that use Google's Android software. So the idea that it was unfair to competitors like Bing, right? Right. Now Google's lawyers are appealing the decision, and they just dropped a pretty savage stat in court this week. The most popular search term on Bing is Google. (laughs) They say it's not even close. Google is the top search by far. They claim it proves that people want to use Google because it's better, not because they're forced to. They also cited some surveys that found that 95% of people prefer Google to other search engines. I'm a Google. I love Google. I am am too. And every time I'm on a computer or a device that... You know, defaults you to Bing. Yeah, I get angry about it. Uh, well, that's what I was going to bring up when we had updates put into the computer system here at the radio station. We had to stop using Google Chrome because of some vulnerabilities within the system or whatever. Right. So <clears throat> security, blah blah blah. And a lot of places did yeah. that. So then we uh, we have to use uh, Microsoft Edge, which uh, I don't know. It's kind of like uh, drinking Shasta soda. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. I mean, but, it's still it's still soda, yeah. but you can't be real happy about it. But it's nowhere near Coke or Pepsi. No, you know what I mean. Yeah, and uh, and I hated it, and it took me forever to figure because I'm getting older, and I'm well, as good as I used to be at figuring these things out. But it took me forever to figure out how to make the search bar search Google versus searching Bing. Yeah, you know, you I, know. I I figured that out pretty quick. But I, I'll be honest with you, you know, I I still use. Uh, Gmail. I still use uh, yeah. Google Documents. I still use a bunch of different things from Google, and and, the, uh, and I hate them all. Other than I hate all the others, other than Google. It's the only one I feel good about. And that's the nice thing about like the Google Drive and the files and all that stuff is you can read that stuff 
on Chrome. You know, if somebody, like, if I sent you a, a document from my Mac, right. it's not a Word document, you wouldn't necessarily be able to read it if you didn't have a Macintosh computer that didn't have pages with it. Right, but with Google with, Documents, right. I can look at it on any device I need to. No, so Bing's new slogan should be, Bing, let us Google that for you. <laughs> it's like, we can search for stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be a good one also. It's 7.57. Tony Signoli coming up talking about... Uh, the Smith & Wesson uh, decision from yesterday on Rock 102. Live in concert, Saturday nights at 9 on Rock 102. Complete concerts from rock and roll's great performer. And now, Bax's View from the Couch. Brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware, your neighborhood paint store. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you? Hey, I don't know if any of you are aware of this or not, but apparently this weekend, Tom Brady is coming back to Foxborough. I know, everyone's been so tight-lipped about it, but I swear to God it's true. And because Tom Brady is apparently some sort of a big deal still, people have been going hog-wild on two different things. One, buying tickets to get out of the house, and two, placing bets in which they could lose that house along with their shirts and dignity. According to reports, due to the demand of seeing Tom Brady against the Patriots on Sunday, the average ticket price has ballooned up to become one of the most expensive regular season tickets in Boston sports history, topping the scales at $1,101 per ticket. Yes, there have been more expensive tickets out there. The 2019 Stanley Cup Finals, the 2013 World Series, and of course, there's been a fistful of Super Bowl tickets that might have cost you a bit more. But for a regular season, non-conference game, it essentially has no true significance in the divisional standings. $1,101 to watch a football game in the rain is somewhat of a high price to pay. Whereas, I'll be home perfectly comfortable without having spent the dime to do it. The other glaring situation is that according to Caesars Sportsbook in Las Vegas, 94% of the bets uh, cast on the game have been placed on the Buccaneers to win by seven. Same thing with FanDuel, same thing with BetMGM. Everyone believes that Tom Brady will be covering the spread. Me, on the other hand, I will be at home, staying dry, not worrying about having to foreclose on my house because I unloaded my entire life savings on the Buccaneers to cover the spread. I think what I'm trying to say is this. Are any of you people taking a good look at yourselves? You're letting a 45-year-old man turn you into non-reflective, financially irresponsible idiots. I can think of 1,001 reasons not to spend my money on a ticket and about five times that much not to blow my money betting on any of it. Of course, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm pretty sure I'll be sleeping well on Sunday knowing I'll still be able to pay for my utilities. And sometimes that's all I really need. But hey, never my yapping sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Pull up Rocky's October sales flyer on your phone or your computer. It's loaded with bargains on Scott's Winter Guard, Turf Builder, Werner, Ladders, and plenty more. What's on sale at Rocky's? It's always at your fingertips at Rockies.com. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. Rock 102 Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 809 and Poison on Rock 102. We set that up completely wrong. We should have let in with uh, another one, Bites the Dust, or Hey Joe, or no, any number of no. firearm songs that we could have played for this next guest. That, that uh, probably would have made sense. As, uh, as most of you know, yesterday it was announced that Smith & Wesson, after uh, being in Springfield uh, since the Civil War, is looking to move a bulk of their operation to uh, to Maryville, Tennessee, and on the phone to talk about that is uh, political consultant Tony Signoli. Good morning, Tony. How you doing? 
Great. Good morning, Bax. Hey, Steve. How you doing, Tone? Good. Good. Other than yeah. this news, good. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I saw the I, I saw the story right away. Notifications are popping up on my phone about uh, about this, yeah. and uh, and then you reached out to me, you know, a little bit yeah. later on. You know what what uh, what sticks in my mind here is they're going to move. So there's legislation in in the in Boston that yeah. will prevent certain guns from being made in Massachusetts, and that right. winds up being a good deal of Smith and Wesson's business. I mean, a significant amount. Yeah. In yeah. order for them to continue to operate as a business, they need to not lose sixty percent of their revenue. And for anyone who says, well, it's a financial decision, well, no kidding. They're a business. That's what they do. The thing I don't understand, Tony, is these guns are just going to be made somewhere else. It's it's not helping the gun situation. It's it's basically just eliminating 750 jobs. What's what's your thought on it? I think you're on target with that. There's an awful lot of politics to this, and that's why it's getting the kind of national attention that it is. You just set this up, express this interview perfectly. It is amazing. You're being legislated out of existence, basically, at least 60% of your business in your hometown. There's whether, whatever anyone thinks about could this be helpful in stopping gun violence. Uh, the bottom line is in your home state, your state is going to attempt to legislate 60% of your business away. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, Certainly, this is a business decision for Smith and Wesson. And when you look at that piece of legislation, a lot of us will be asking right now, and I've been asked a lot by different entities, was there a potential possibility of it passing that bill? And yeah, there really was in Massachusetts. There was enough support for it. Did the bill get anywhere yet? Has it come out of committee? Has it gone from the House to the Senate? Was the governor's read on it? What's the constitutionality? None of that got done. And a key piece to this, facts when the bill was filed in the spring, that is when Smith and Wesson started to look around. What we know now this morning, 24 hours later, and it's confirmed out of Tennessee by the governor and by uh, Bob Rolf, uh, who's the head the head of economic development for Tennessee, is that they first got their first outreach from Smith & Wesson when this bill was filed. Smith & Wesson started to look to try to figure out where do we go. Uh, and that is, you know, again, it's not lollipops that they make their cash it's guns, and there's a much, much bigger argument here, you know, federal oversight of and regulation of guns versus state versus state. This allows this red state, blue state conversation that's happening right now, you know, about this issue. Uh, and it was a phenomenal opportunity for Tennessee to seize upon. And, and it's not the first uh, company from here in the gun manufacturing industry that Tennessee's been able to attract. Troy Industries from West Springfield left a few years ago, though Tennessee as well. Uh but back to your point, yeah, this was, many folks will say, it's cheaper labor in Tennessee, way cheaper cost of uh, electricity. There's no income tax in Tennessee. If you're a CEO or one of the top players, you're going to want to go there, you know, versus Massachusetts. But to cut to the chase and finish that thought, there's a lot of reasons to go to Tennessee. This just opened the door, this piece of legislation. So it has it's really, it, the, them to go. the bill yeah. itself has no bearing on, you yeah. know, if it fails, if it doesn't go yeah. anywhere they're still going to make yeah. the move no matter what. That's right. That's right. There's, that's the other piece of this, too. This is a no great and grand victory for the folks that stop handgun violence in Massachusetts who put out a, an amazingly tone-deaf uh, commentary on this. 
yesterday, you know, saying, hey, good riddance, see you later, get out of here. That's great coming out of an organization in Boston, here in Springfield, in Greater Springfield. We're thinking about 550 people, 550 families that are impacted by this. And as Rick Sullivan made a good point, uh, the executive director of the Economic Development Council here, you know, this is also about supply chain manufacturers, vendors, like, manufa- like uh, gosh, McNamara Waste, which is local. Uh, they do all the trash hauling there. Uh, others that I can go right down the list, small manufacturers and suppliers here, the folks that supply the paper products, they're local, you know, to Smith & Wesson. What happens to them? What's the rest of the economic impact that goes on here? It can be really devastating. This is uh, Tony Signoli on the phone with us. You know, one of the things that um, <clears throat> I read, you, you forwarded a, uh, an article from the Boston Business Journal, and I read this part of the article, mm. and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Representative Bud Williams, one of the House bill's co-sponsors, said he's less concerned with Smith & Wesson's move and more intent on limiting assault weapons to prevent the possibility of a mass shooting or another violent incident. The fact of the matter is, like I said, these guns are going to be made yeah. somewhere else. And Bud yep. Williams is saying he's less concerned about the loss of jobs in his own district than he is about legislation which affects nothing. So to me, this is one of the most shameful things I've ever heard Bud Williams say. Almost almost as ridiculous as, you know, <laughs> Jesus is the reason for the season at uh, at the Jewish Community Center. It's like, it's, you know, this shows a level, like you say, a level of tone deafness about this situation that I think is inexcusable because you're talking about a company that has employed people for the last 170 years now yeah. get now relocating uh, in a in a place that has great significance to not just the people yeah. working there but people who help keep that business operating with all of the different yeah. contracts they have to me this is a yeah. this was a shameful statement by Bud Williams you know, they're, you get to the chase of it pretty well. I mean, if this legislation passes or didn't pass, the bottom line, with with Smith & Wesson moving to Tennessee, these guns are still going to be made. It didn't stop that production. It's going to continue. You know, Smith & Wesson is now a billion-dollar company, billion with a B. They've got a huge market. There's demand for this product. Again, I'm not speaking for or against what they're making. I wish it was lollipops. You know, I wish it was a widget factory. But gosh, LEG Wiz, the bottom line here, you're right. They're still going to be making these weapons in a southern state. And I'll tell you, watch the next couple of weeks. I'm betting that Tennessee really spikes the football on this one. I would not be surprised to see Tennessee economic development officials show up in our neck of the woods, pushing and promoting and appealing to other companies. Come on down. Troy Industries did. Hey, look at the Ford Motor Company building one of the first new automotive uh, factories in America. Where are they doing it? In Tennessee. And again, there are an awful lot of reasons to do this. To go to Tennessee, that cost of labor, that lower uh, energy cost, no income tax, things I've already mentioned. But you've got a state that's welcoming. And yeah, there's a lot of red state, blue state politics that goes to this piece. What's key now, too, as you mentioned, you know, a legislator, is what does the legislature do right now? We've been here before, guys. In 1967, the Secretary of Defense decided to close the Springfield Armory, an army that predated the beginning of America. George Washington came to Springfield with George Knox, General Knox, and said, that's the spot, build it, let's go, let's start making guns. Those guns, from the early musket types to the Garand rifle, 
they help the United States to win wars. It's part of why we're called Gun Valley, you know, and it brought so many other industries here. And the other side, regardless of the fact that these aren't lollipops and guns, this did provide generational income for so many people, skilled labor. What happens now? What does the legislature do now? And I'm seeing some movement there. Maybe we benefit because Eric Lesser is the joint chairman of uh, Economic Development and Emerging Technologies. What I know right now, there's a legislator who's maybe got some historical perspective. I think 1967 is before he was born. But a legislative <laughs> effort in 1967 changed things. Tony Shabelli, Springfield guy, high school education, said, holy smokes, we can cry about this. They're leaving. What do we do? And within 17 days, he was chairman of Ways and Means at that time uh, in the Massachusetts House. In 17 days, he created the community college which is still on that site right now, using those those amazingly historical buildings. What do we do now? I'm understanding that, uh, you know, Lesser and, and Sarno have already had conversations with uh, the Labor Secretary in Massachusetts, Corda. Uh, getting Boston to pay attention to this is going to be important. You know, frankly, there, too, we've been in this position before. How often does Boston cry for us when these kinds of things happen? Not well, all that often. This well, is a big deal. If this was a Boston company, you see some screaming this morning. And, 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 and I'm glad you, you you brought you know this up because you know to me yeah. you know Springfield has been you know screaming for a while about you know economic development and about you know yeah. what can be done in this area. You know we've been screaming yeah. and yelling about about the courthouse that can't get uh, yeah. that that can't yeah, get resolved. And now you have yeah. you know this decision. These are two big hits yeah. on that. Yeah that east-west divide in the state yeah. of Massachusetts. You know, yeah. legislation aside, you know, you're yeah. you're having people go into a building that is uh, unsafe. You're having people yeah. losing their jobs, all to make yeah. either a point or to avoid making a point. And I think that's yeah. – it, it, it just shows the uh, the stark realities that go on in Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah, that is very well said. And what I'm hearing from a lot of folks that we're talking to now because – and I should recuse myself, some of the vendors to Smith & Wesson we have relationships with. And also, a unique one for me is that Eastman is a client of ours. Here is a company that's a multi-billion dollar company, global. They're in Indian Orchard. Arguably 90% of all the windshield, Safeplex material, Mercedes to Hyundai to Ford to Chevy Silverado, is coming out of Indian Orchard. They're in Springfield. You know, it's one of their many plants. But their home base is Tennessee. They're 45 minutes from where Smith & Wesson is moving to. And yet, Eastman is a piece of good news and that they're expanding here. That's amazing. Certainly it's a different type of product. It's not guns. It's plastic. It's windshield material. It's, it's uh, you know, safety glass. But on the flip side of it, it can be done. So what I'm going to there is that we've got, as I'm understanding and hearing, as I'm talking to players, a lot of precision manufacturers who've been complaining for a long time they can't find skilled labor here. Well, here's 550 folks now who are going to be available for those jobs. How do we get them to the right places? How do you get them over to Precision Engineering, DFF and Agawam, uh, gosh, uh, Meredith Springfield and Ludlow, Precision Manufacturers known worldwide. Will that actually happen, or will a lot of these folks have to follow their specific skilled trade and go to Tennessee? Will they, you know, leave the area? That's a lot of folks. That, you know, Bax, that's one of the things I've heard from you guys in, in your, I want to call it, you know, common sense reporting on this so far. Uh, you've got 550 families. That's what keeps hitting me. And are these folks, you know, going to continue on? Are they going to find that job? How are they going to be impacted? How many kids, college educations, uh, how many supply mm -hmm. chain folks that were making this, that, or the other thing for Smith & Wesson? What's that economic impact? And again, there, too, that's where I hope some of what we've seen already 
from from Mayor Sarno, from Eric Lesser, from Neil, Congressman Neal. Doesn't hurt to have the chairman of Ways and Means in Washington on, on one like this. What we're seeing them doing is okay. What's next? Yeah, this was a corporate, you know, bottom line decision by Smith Wesson, where the door got open more than likely because. Gosh, golly gee whiz, this legislation was getting filed. How can you stay in the state if 60% of your manufacturing base, again, given whatever it is, uh, is not going to be, you know, allowed? Is it going to be legal? Uh, it really opened that door. And that's one of the other hit for us right now overall. And I think that some of the folks that, that I've mentioned are realizing that, the Rick Sullivan's and others, is that there's the other hit here. And that's, this is a national brand. Smith & Wesson, you know, again, it ain't lollipops, but one of the top, Ten recognized brands on the planet. You say something in Wesson, you know what it is. In their history here, that Wesson Hospital over at Bay State, that's still part of Bay State, that came from Dan Wesson. The French Congregational Church, you know, the spiritual church that NGM now has a uh, Kringle Candle in. Wesson built that for his employees. And you can find a lot of that throughout the, the city. There's a history here with this company. And so there's this, this, this hit that comes, that perception hit of losing a major corporate. And now it really comes down to what can these folks do to help find those 500 initial families, 550 folks, you know, new jobs, and to stop any further, you know, uh, loss to Tennessee of the other 1,000 jobs that are there. Tony, if I didn't know any better, I think you'd want a lollipop factory to be put in the place of Smith & Wesson. <laughs> you mentioned it like six times. He loves lollipops, yeah. though. And it's serious. I, I can't help it, you know, yeah. <laughs> no guns, no nothing. It would be all great if it was like Willy Walker World, right? Right, yeah, exactly. And, 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 part of and as serious as this conversation is, uh, yeah. we have no yeah. common sense on this show. So don't ever say yeah, that. No, that's common true. sense kind that's of guys. True. You know, uh, what you worry about, and, and, I, and I oftentimes do yeah. when you see, you know, like one corporation, you know, leave because yeah. there's something better waiting somewhere else. You know, yeah. you, you always wonder, well, you know, will other will other businesses follow yeah. suit? Will they find that the environment here in to, to conduct business in Massachusetts isn't conducive yeah. anymore and it just makes sense to take it somewhere else? Maybe not Tennessee, yeah. but you know, maybe some other city in the United States, which you yeah. know precipitates you know, a, a further loss of jobs. And, and you, yeah. you wonder if, if the state legislature can be so tone deaf on, on you know, maintaining jobs yeah. on one sector of business, would they be as tone deaf in another? That is that is interesting. You know, again, the politics of this. For some of the legislators who filed, filed that legislation, and it wasn't just Bud Williams, but by, for some in the East, their commentary this morning is similar to others that we've seen from, from anti-handgun violence folks who, again, make a great argument, and there are a lot of people uh, who agree with them. But it basically has been almost a good riddance, Smith & Wesson, see you later. That's just so tone deaf and so wrong. When you take something away, you have to replace it. You have to be ready to, to be when you file a piece of legislation like that. There's always the other side. What's the impact going to be? And what if these folks go? And what if, obviously, this gets passed and we uh, prohibit 60% of their, their income, 60% of their production? What do we do? What do we replace that with? That doesn't happen often enough in politics. No one's thinking about, you know, what's the other side of this? What's the, uh, the response? And there's always a, a response. You bring up very good points in all, the, in all of these things you've mentioned this morning, but the most important is that these guns are still going to be made. They're going to be made in Tennessee, not here. You know, was there some other way to deal with this? Probably more than likely, yes. What do we do about, as you just said, making sure that other companies don't now take a look at 
you know, the other benefits to Tennessee. If everything we're hearing right now that is, you know, being verified in a lot of national media just this morning, if it's true what Tennessee is saying, that Smith & Wesson called on them in April, that's about the time that legislation was filed. And if Tennessee was able to put together this package in that amount of time, here's the site, here's the building, here's your tax incentives, which we won't know about for another 30 days under Tennessee law. They'll release that in, Tennessee, in 30 days out of Tennessee, what they offer for tax benefits and all the other things that I've mentioned. That is attractive to a lot of other players. Yeah. We're all thinking about, gosh, is there a way to get those 550 people into other companies, like in Eastman, like in Meredith Springfield, others and whatnot, that they could use that kind of skill? Are some of those folks now thinking, hey, I've got this skill. They need me in Tennessee cost of living a heck of a lot less, and by the way, there's no income tax, yeah. that may also be interesting to some employees. You're right on the money with that. That's the fear that I think a lot of us have got right now. Tony, what do we do to keep the other players here? Tony, we're all out of time, but I appreciate you coming all on right. the show today and talking about it. Yeah, thanks so Thank much, you. man. All right, Tony Signoli Thank with you, ba- you back Thank with Bax O'Brien at Rock 102. Time for your out-of-town weather, sponsored by Arbella Insurance. Bit of a mixed bag across Alaska. 831 with Bax and O'Brien to Rock 102. It's time for news. Brought to you by Aquatique Pools and Spas. Same now on all carbon above ground pools and Haywood Salt Chlorine Generator. 730 Union Street in West Springfield. There's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Thanks, Bax. You know what I'm uh, I'm not going to do this hour? Uh, what? Is the story about Smith & Wesson. Because I think we just spent a whole lot of time on it. Um, maybe we should talk instead about putting together a lollipop company to uh, to use that space. We should. You know, there's a saying uh, I've seen people in uh, up in the area where I live. It's like, in the hill towns, we don't call 911. We call Smith and Wesson. But you won't be using the 413 area <laughs> yeah. code to do it. Yeah, you uh you yeah, you'll have to uh, dial whatever was it 606 <laughs> or something like that. It's down in uh, I don't even know what it is. A uh, standoff involving an alleged armed man at a Ludlow home caused a nearby school to delay its opening yesterday morning. Ludlow Police Chief Daniel Velada said around 2.06 a.m., officers went to a home on Ray Street for a report of an angry man destroying property. The man, identified as 52-year-old James Vasquez, was visibly hostile towards police and allegedly stated to officers that he was armed with a firearm. Vasquez smash! Vasquez angry! Vasquez wants standoff to end! Two o'clock in the morning. Can you imagine me living next to that guy? Oh, man. It's two o'clock in the morning. You're you're fast asleep. you got to work the next day. You're thinking about all you know, the, the you're putting your nose to the grindstone. Yeah. All of a sudden, this guy next door is screaming and yelling. Now you got to stand off with the cops. You know you're not getting back to sleep. I remember uh, years ago, uh, I lived in Springfield. And again, I could never remember the name of the street that I lived on, but I could certainly tell you what the next street over was because that's where all the drug activity was. Crown Street. Crown Street. Over by off of Belmont Avenue, right? You say you lived on White Street, wasn't it? Off of, it was off, off of, of White, White street. street. It was a side street off of White Street, but ah. I could never remember the name of the actual street. I could tell you that it was Crown Street was the next one, though. Ah. Because that's where... Yeah, you know, the lovely kids, country up there. You know, the kids with the with the the pellet guns shooting at the back windows oh, yeah. and all this other stuff. And I I lived on the third floor of this really nice home too. Those homes are beautiful. Sure. Uh, and it was the attic, which was actually like kind of a, you know, it was probably fifteen hundred square feet. The big attic. It was a huge, huge house. Anyway, uh, 
Uh, one morning, uh, I would have uh, I would have like weekdays off, you know, for my schedule when I worked at the the choo choos over there. Sure. And uh, so I, I got up one morning. It was probably like a two Tuesday morning. And uh, probably about eight thirty, I'm making coffee. Uh-huh. I'm uh, gonna sit out, well, not sit outside, but sit uh, in my kitchen and uh, watch the beautiful uh, sights of Crown Street uh, go on. <laughs> and I hear this. I'm making the coffee, and I hear this yelling going on. Yeah. Right? And I like, look out the back, this back porch, and uh, I open the door, and there's like five cops with like these long rifles, like pointed at this kid. Uh, he looked like a kid to me. Right. Uh, in the uh, in the yard. Yeah. They had just did a bust at one of the houses on Crown Street, uh, and it was, and, I, and all of a sudden I hear, "Get back in your house!" That was talking to me. To you. Yeah, because here I am going, "What's going on? What are you doing with them guns down there? Is, is there anything I can do to help? Yeah. Could I come on? Do you need some rope or something? I want to make some more coffee for you fellas. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's the kind of crap that the neighbors have to deal with. You know, Well, with, yeah, because something it, like this. if you got a, an armed standoff, yeah. I mean, it's possible that some gunplay could happen and, you know, you might not be safe to stay there. A, You've uh, got to get out of your house to make sure that you are safe. That's right. A command post was uh, created outside the home with assistance from Wilbraham Police and members of the Hamden County Special Response Team. Ray Street was closed for nearly five hours during the standoff. After speaking of Asquez for more than four hours, he was taken into custody without any incident. A search Search warrant was obtained to search his home. Inside, they found a 9 millimeter. Excuse me. Got a little uh, backup. Oh, just, just let it rip. No, if you got a burp, just rip it one, rip one, one it's out. It's not a burp. It's one of them, like, hiccups, but it doesn't have any uh, does it, gas behind it. Does it, it just taste like the Big E? It does taste like the Big E. You know, what I, you know what else I had at the beginning? Who cares about this guy? This guy's already Yeah, right. He's, he's arrested uh, already. Yeah, go ahead. You know, I, I had uh, I, I ordered the Pilgrim sandwich. Do you know what that is? Is that the... Um, it's basically the, Thanksgiving the, on bread. Turkey and stuffing and everything else everything. inside? Oh, yeah, that's good. It was pretty good, but it was, you know, it's probably... They have two versions. One version is like, it's like two feet long. Okay. And that's $30. For a sandwich. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, uh, we're going to go with the lesser priced one with the foot long, which was $18. That's still a bit of a, a, bit of a sandwich. And then, uh, you know, I broke it up and we all kind of had a little piece of it. Sure. Uh, to share because that's what you got to do with the Big E. You can't buy everybody a meal because you'll uh, have to remortgage your home to do so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, w- it was all right. I-, I think what they need to do is uh, spice up the bread a little bit. The bread was a little on the stale side. But you know what? Now that you said the Big E, it, I felt a little taste of that stuffing. There, I mean, listen, I, in, my, in my day, as you know, I used to really pack it down at the Big E. And I, there was like nothing I wasn't willing to try. If they had, uh, you know, the hamburger on the donut, I would try it. If they had like, uh, you know, you know you know, moose testicles and sauce, I would have, I would have found my way around it. I would have done anything, but you know, you know, now I can, I can feel the burn of that stuff coming up after a long, long day of chowing down at the Big E. Yeah. And I, and I don't really like that feeling anymore. No, I had, the, I had, the, I told you I had the tots a lot 
uh, stuff, which was awesome. Yeah, see, and they I, all sound so good. And the and the pilgrim sandwich was the two things yeah. that I really had there. But you can't. I can't. I'm getting to that point where I, I know I'm still a big dude, but I still can't. I can't eat as much as I used to. Now nah, I'm getting to that point in my life where I'm like, okay, well, smaller portions are probably a better idea. My wife and I are at the point now where we we not only don't have the uh, the the space for the portions. Mm-hmm. By three thirty in the afternoon, we want dinner right now. <laughs> Why have we gotten to that point? We're yet, at the but... point. We're at the point now. We're like, God, it's three forty-five. What's hey, uh, Jenny, what are we doing for uh, dinner? Jenny, uh, Moon's over my hammies on sale over at Denny's. You want to go for the early bird special at four? I'm telling you, we, we, I don't know what's going on with me. I f- I feel like I'm at least ten years older than I actually am because of because of where I'm placing the things I do, like. I don't want to, like, if we go out to dinner and someone says, oh, we got 7 o'clock reservations, I'm like, Jesus, what am I going to do between lunch and 7 o'clock? Not a whole lot. I know. It's like, I can't yeah. eat late, you know, dinner that late. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I don't know. I would say around 6 is a good time. 6 is good. Dinner. But even 6 for me is pushing it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, over the last maybe five years or so, I've been pushing to like five o'clock. Five yeah. o'clock, we'll eat dinner. Five o'clock is good. Kids are usually hungry about then. I can't do any earlier than that though, because then I'll be hungry before I go to sleep, and I don't want that to happen. See, but I'm usually in bed by like eight fifteen. Mm-hmm. So if I've eaten at five, I probably wouldn't normally get hungry if I, unless I was awake at nine ten o'clock at night. See, this is but what I'm sleeping. When you no longer have children in the house, you can go to bed at 8.15. Yeah, and you will. You'll get there, my when? friend. When? When is that going to happen? I don't know. But it'll happen at some point when your kids are going to want to abandon you, and then you'll have to, you've got nothing else to live for other than just to get through your day and you know, make a paycheck once a, once or twice a month, and you know that's what you just do, and you kick that dented can down the road and let life pass you by as uh, the years roll one after another for a long, long journey towards the dirt nap. I think we just got a peek into your life. Uh, no, I'm just speaking hypothetically. Oh, that okay. could happen to anybody, really. Student frustration continues to grow at UMass Amherst following allegations of sexual assault at the Theta Chi fraternity chapter. At this time, UMass has announced that we'll provide additional resources for victims. However, no disciplinary action appears to be in place for the frat. Multiple protests took place outside the frat last week. Of the One of those protests led to a car being flipped over. Students uh, think that the Theta Chi frat should face disciplinary measures. I'm looking at this car. It's a small car. Yeah, it's not like it was a... You might really Still. want to show... You, you flip over an F-350 pickup truck. Yeah, well, you really you know, I, I think... King Ranch version. I think their problems aren't really about the car. I think the, their problems are probably a little bit bigger than that. Yeah, I know. They are. And uh, well, I agree. You know, flipping over a car is kind of, you know, half-rate fraternity type of hijinks. Uh, some of the other stuff going on in that frat is just inexcusable. The uh, university sent an email condemning violent forms of protest. Another email was sent listing off resources for victims of sexual assault. The National Theta Chi sent a letter to the university's chancellor asking the administration to support the members of the fraternity. Students protested outside the house, the frat house, and resulted in broken windows and buildings and vehicles. Protesters flipped the vehicle outside the house. The letter states, uh, to date, no truthful and verified information has emerged regarding any sexual assault having occurred. It goes on to request that the university protect the members of the frat. Students oppose this idea and say more needs to be done to hold the frat accountable. 
I was never douchey enough to be part of a frat. We didn't really have. We had a couple of frats in college, but there was not a real big, uh, not a real big scene. I, I, would, I think I told you we actually put together a fake frat. Uh, yeah, I was a uh, part of a uh, summer come early. Yeah, no, yeah. we actually were a fake frat, and we were called I Ate a Pie. Oh, how about that? That's right. I still like summer come early. That's a pretty good one too. Yeah, we called the uh, new members preemies. I can sure. see why. Yeah, we even had uh, sweatshirts made up. Did you? Yeah, with the with the you know, the the iota, eta, and the pie signals in the Greek letters, and uh, nice uh, hunter green. They were like uh, very actually. I, I wish to God I still kept it because that was uh, that was uh, that would have been something. See, that sounds like a good frat. Yeah, because it was just an excuse to make fun of actual frats and, and drink and, alcohol and drink alcohol, which we were going to do anyway. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, that's what college kids do to begin yeah. with. The only organized meeting we had was the was the meeting to distribute all the sweatshirts. That's all we needed to do. That's it. Did you get them fake for cheap at least? It's oh yeah, I think, we, I think it was like twenty bucks, and that's all we needed. You probably had a had a had a guy, right? Well, I, guy I think there was a knew. guy who knew a guy that did the sweatshirts. But a uh, bought a T-shirt yesterday at the Big E. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I uh, you, you wear one too, the CPAP mask. Sure. And I always feel like a maverick in Top Gun when I'm wearing that. Mask, oh yeah, especially in the bedroom when you're trying to be all sexy. Oh yeah. So I walk around the corner at the uh, Big E last night. This guy's got shirts that says "Talk to Me, Goose" right on the back, right on the front. So I bought one. Did you really? Yeah. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna wear it to bed now with nice. my uh, with my CPAP mask. That is hot, hot and yes. sexy, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Settle down, ladies. Uh -huh. He's taken. Uh huh. Hey, uh, it's October, and even criminals are getting into the holiday spirit. A driver in Texas was pulled over for driving in the carpool lane on Wednesday without a living passenger. He had a full-size skeleton in the passenger seat, and uh, it was even wearing a hat. It looked like the uh, the Guns N' Roses skeleton without the hair. Um, but when you're in those uh, those lanes, I mean, that's acceptable, right? No, apparently it's not. The police posted a photo and joked, uh, our deputies saw right through the ruse and Issued the driver a bona fide citation after a sternum lecture. Sternum. Deputies wished him bone voyage. Bone voyage. Listen, uh, I respect the police, but uh, stick to the day job, okay? Yeah, like you keep Stop the comedy to the, the professionals. Com yeah, don't uh, don't be trying to be a, a Jack Benny or uh, <laughs> any number any of number of old, old comedian, old joke, Henny Youngman, there, that kind of thing. Uh, that's kind of stupid, don't you think? Which part? The police department's trying to make jokes. Oh about yeah, things. yeah, no, I, I, I get that. But on the other hand, you know, give the guy a little bit of credit for trying to get away with something on a on a high speed lane. I mean, I would give. I mean, if I were a cop, I'd say you're clever. I'm gonna let you go. No, I'd probably give him the full speeding ticket. No, I, I wouldn't. Maybe you would. I mean, if that's the kind of cop you want to be. But it's only going to work once for you. You can't keep doing that. You can't be like, yeah, I'm the guy with the skeleton and the HOV lane. The other guy uh, gave me a warning. I think you're going to do the same thing, right? He's like, I don't think so, boy. See, I'm, I would not be that kind of uh, a hard-ass steady. I would, I, I would probably let him go every time. <laughs> like, there he goes again. Yeah, because you're, uh, you're a pushover. No, it's not that I'm a pushover. It's like, you know, I, I can accept and embrace... Uh, creativity when it comes to breaking 
the rules of the road. Hey, a man was uh, pulled over in Michigan earlier this month, and his girlfriend, who was a passenger, thought she could get him out of trouble by calling 911 and reporting a shooting at a nearby hotel. That didn't work. It's too bad. Uh, some other officers responded to the hotel, uh, realized there was no shooting, and traced the call back to the woman. She was arrested and charged with making a false report. It's unclear what happened with the boyfriend. There's no word uh, what the police stop was about or if he was even arrested for anything. But good for you that you took the initiative to protect the boyfriend <laughs> that much. See, you know, that's to me, that's a relationship that's got some legs on it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, you know what? Sacrifice yourself for the better part of the uh, relationship. You're looking for a lifetime of happiness. But, you know, if you're trying to break up with her, she's probably going to be like, You remember when I went to jail for you to try to get you out of that ticket? You had no hand life. Yeah. You had none. And I went to jail for you. <laughs> and that's that's when you block her number. Yeah. And that's when she, uh, you know, she stands outside of your house uh, calling you from the, uh, the pay phone. <laughs> I'm sorry, the cell phone. We don't have pay phones anymore. Pay phone? Man, you're so 1983. You know what? I saw one a couple of weeks ago. Come on. Yeah, there's one outside of the Stop and Shop in Holyoke. The one, not the one on the Kmart Plaza. Well, there might be one there, but I wasn't at that one. I was at the one on the uh, the north side of town there. Yeah. And uh, there was a pay phone outside of the Stop and Shop. And it, like, it's operational? Yeah. And my, my kids were even like, what's that, Dad? <laughs> like. And I was like, girls, that should be dipped in bronze and put in a museum. <laughs> that thing is a relic. Most right of the there. ones that are that are still there, like the uh you know, the hand receiver, yeah, has been ripped off the wire. No. So it's just like a loose wire hanging out. This one was in uh, perfectly good shape. It's wow. it's funny how like, you know, you don't because they went away very very slowly. And now if you you know, if it, it didn't just happen overnight. These things kind of went out year by year, I would right. think. And, uh, you know, you don't even think twice about it because pretty much everybody has a phone on them now. You don't need to have the pay phone. The pay I phone remember is- being in, like, an airport and, you know, having to make a phone call to someone who's going to pick me up and, you know, like having to wait around because there yeah. were so many people using you know, the the pay phones mm-hmm. and it was like a bank of like fifty pay phones like, yeah. you know, like a million of them out there. Uh, I rem- my dad was a was a manager, so he used the phones a lot. Like he had a beeper, he had a pager, sure you know, thing would beep all the time, and he'd have to call the number. Oh, or your dad was definitely mer- management material. He actually, you know what? He was a HFA, the high functioning alcoholic guy. Could he did his job? He was impeccable at his job. It was the other part of his life that he really didn't have a control on. But uh, whatever. Anyway, he I remember him, like, we would go, you know, we'd be traveling. Yeah. Uh, and we'd go into, like, a like a train station or a bus station. When I was, like, a like little kid. And he would go use these. He'd have this credit card that he would use for the, for the phone call, the long-distance calls no to kidding. make the call on the thing. Pretty impressive. That's awesome. And he had a he had a car phone. That that was like so cool. Wow, no one had a, had those things back then. Yeah, very cool. Awesome. Well, you children wouldn't know what that's all about. I'm glad my nostalgia took over the rest of this newscast. Good thing. Your Pioneer Valley forecast today is going to be mostly sunny with a high of 69. Giggity. Tomorrow, 73. Sunny. 
40 right now in downtown Springfield. I'm Steve Nagel, and that's the news on Rock 102. It's fun. Rock 102, Springfield's classic rock. It's 854 in Tesla on Rock 102. What an ungodly piece of crap that is. Steve, I'm not going to sit here and have you trash that song. That's a a big, fat hit right there. I don't even know why, you know, uh, everybody, you know, people think that we picked the music for the show. We don't. (laughs) We don't. This is way beyond our control. It's like this corporate thing, and they pick what they think everybody wants to hear. And I don't know how they do that. I thought there was... You know, I thought that we used to do, like, surveys and things like that about, like, you know, what people liked for music. Right. Uh, there can't be anybody on the face of this planet that actually really likes that song. Well, you know, uh, Steve, Tesla sold more than 75 million records during their career, and I'm saying that only because I'm making that number up in my head. Yeah, yeah. Did their did their moms buy most of those albums? No, they they but they did sell quite a lot of records, including that one, which was a big hit. How many more millions of uh, copies of that single did they sell than the five man electrical band? Uh, many, many more than that, because at the time it came out, there were lots of people who had never heard that song before. Believe it or not, I just uh, I, these people who think they're smarter than everybody else, you know, <sighs> programming music, telling us what we think we should hear. You know, it's funny how uh, dumb people often say that. You know what? I'm done talking <laughs> to you. I'm done talking to you. Rock 102 is bringing you New England Patriot football all season long. This Sunday, the Patriots host Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Foxborough. Our live Volvo Cars Pioneer Valley pregame show begins at 5.30 p.m. with the kickoff scheduled for 8.20. Join Bob Sochi and Scott Solak as they bring you all the play-by-play action. The Patriots are playing here Sunday night on Rock 102. Save your-